right, welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. And that, again, is Mr. Edward Serbone and his group of ragtag city letter carriers. <laughs> that intro music. They're pretty good, right? I think they're pretty dadgum good. But that's Mr. Edward Serbone from New Jersey and a city letter carrier band. So I told y'all I was going to keep playing his intro music. So there you have it. Uh, today is going to be an extremely long episode. Extremely long. I'm going to cover several topics. I don't like doing that at all. But uh, there has been a bunch of stuff come in that I feel needs to be addressed. I hate doing that because new shop stewards, I don't want to put five or six different topics in an episode. I don't want to confuse my new stewards. And I've got a lot of new stewards out there listening. I did not want to confuse them at all. And I hate doing six or five or six or seven different topics in an episode uh, because I think that will do that. Uh, I like doing one topic. If we're going to do thirty nine ninety six. Let's do that. If we're going to do uh, just cause principles. Break those down one into each episode. I like doing it like that. I think it's easier to follow. But I've got so many topics that are coming in. JB's coming in next week. He's going to do three topics. He's going to go over the workout workload report. How to read that. I've had a couple of carriers uh, contact me on how to read a workout workload report. I've been there. It's very confusing. So I've helped them with that. JB's going to do that for me next week. He's also going to cover uh, uh, CCAs doing rule carrier work. That is a hot topic right now, but he's going to come in and do that. And I'm going to try to get him to do, uh, he does a very good class on uh, breaking down the informal, the time limits, the informal, formal. I've got some CCAs reaching out about that. I'm going to cover that a little bit for you today but a lot of stuff i'm finally going to get into this uh, rural carrier city carrier territory dispute i'm going to do that today very confusing and overwhelming i'm telling you now very confusing and overwhelming but i'm going to do that today we're going to get that out of the way i'm going to do that as best as i can uh, i'm going to cover a little bit of the t-wrap process some things that have come into me I'm also going to cover uh, this one-hour office time. I'm sick of that shit, so I'm going to cover that today. Um, but a few things before that. I'm going to get a, get a few things in before that, some personal things. Okay, hopefully y'all don't mind if I get personal with y'all. Uh, just some things that have come up. I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to get them out of the way, all right? Uh, but first off, uh, the National Convention last week, let me say this. Thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who took the time out of your day to come over and say hello to me. And and I speak for JB as well, and he'll say this next week. As humbling an experience as I've ever had uh, at the National Convention, those of you who came over to see me, uh, we took a lot of pictures together. Hey, I, it was as humbling an experience as I've ever had. I'm a city letter carrier, baby. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm a city letter carrier. This is Sunday. Tomorrow, I'm going to be out there delivering mail. I have a seven-and-a-half-mile route, and uh, it's a walking route. I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. And so uh, for y'all to treat me like that, humbled completely. 
Um, I'm just trying to, to help out as much as I can. Uh, by no means am I a celebrity. <laughs> that was uh, funny. <laughs> Some people talking about that. Uh, because I don't know what to do with that. I probably I don't know. Ain't no telling what I said to you because I, I, you know, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> but I love each and every one of you. I, I promise you that with all my heart. I love you. Uh, if you're a city letter carrier, I'm about that business, man. I'm about you. Uh, and I always will be about the city letter carrier. Uh, nothing else matters to me. I've told you that. Nothing else matters to me but the city letter carrier. That's all. So to have my brothers and sisters come up and and treat me like that, humbled completely. Uh, I love you all more than you know. Branch 11, Chicago. Let me say this. I have not met a finer group of people in my life. Uh, Branch 11, the members, man, y'all, y'all should be proud of yourselves. First off, for hosting the, the National Convention, the, things, the way that y'all tr- uh, handled your business, uh, second to none. But also the way that you, you took me in and, and uh, treated me. Branch 11 has got some of the most beautiful individuals you'll ever meet. Uh, now, I can see it in their eyes now. Some beautiful people, but it's a pack of wolves. It's a pack of wolves in Branch 11. Let me tell you this. They're learning. They're educating themselves. They got fantastic leadership. Uh, the business agent, Michael Cariff, uh, Mac Julian also there. Uh, educating themselves. A pack of wolves in Branch 11. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, fantastic people, man. I've hugged many a neck <laughs> the last week uh, from Branch 11. Had a little tailgate Friday with them. Some special, special people. And y'all should be proud. And I know Mike is proud of y'all. But uh, humbled there as well, uh, meeting all those fantastic people. A beautiful group of people, man. A beautiful group of people in Branch 11, Chicago. So thank y'all. Thank y'all for, for extending... Uh, your courtesy to me uh, man y'all are, y'all are second to none like I said let me get personal with y'all a little bit I'm going to talk about this uh, probably shouldn't get too much into detail but I am because who gives a damn right it's a podcast I started this podcast and I've told y'all this numerous times I started this podcast because some very influential people to me some people that I trust highly came to me and asked me to do it Uh, i would have never done it if it wasn't for that you know but they were to me very influential people and they said that we need something like this because we don't have anything like this to educate those branches those members that will not get to training ever and i told myself and i maybe have said this the first one if it reaches one person one person I'll keep doing it forever. If one individual out 80 miles from the nearest union station, if he's, if he's there or she's there trying to help her people, maybe one person, two people, three people, I'm going to keep doing this if it helps that one individual. And that's what I told myself. So when they came to me and they said, look, there's a void of education, of instruction. We're not getting to these smaller branches. 
you know, and I've talked about that as well. These smaller stations where the union stewards probably working 12 hours a day, union offices 80 miles away cannot get to any kind of training. They're, they've been abandoned by us. Speaking of, of the union, they've been abandoned by us uh, because there's nothing for them. So these individuals said, look, we want you to do one, you know, not that I'm an expert at anything. I'm not. And I'll say that. I've, I've always said that. I've dealt with a lot of things. Uh, I have dealt with a lot of things, a lot of situations. I've been in many a meeting. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know how to put a grievance together. So when they were talking to me, I didn't even know how to do a podcast. You know, I, I've never done one. I don't listen to any. I may have listened to one. Uh, you know, in my entire lifetime. So I had to study up on that, but I said, you know what, if it helps my people, I'm going to do it. National attempted to do one, and it was a complete failure. It was a complete failure, because you cannot just sit there and read uh, articles to people all day long. You're going to lose their interest. So National did one, and it's a complete failure. Um, I liken it to, to this. If I was going to go and have my car has got problems i'm hearing something in the engine it just doesn't sound right it doesn't sound right and it's been going on for a little while so i'm going to go to a mechanic there's two mechanics that, you know two auto shops right next to each, each other so i go into one the guy comes in he's got on his you know his mechanic overhauls you know he's dirty Got the little red towel wrapped around his neck, you know. He's wiping his hands on. Comes up to me. I said, how are you, sir? Let me let me ask you. My car is making a funny noise. I'm wondering if you could check it out. Absolutely, I'll check it out for you. Opens it up, and he's like, this right here is wrong with it. I can fix it for you. Oh, okay. Well, well, if you don't mind me asking, you know, how many cars have you ever worked on? Thousands. Thousands of cars. Really? Yeah. Well, this is going to sound funny, but can I see your hands? Pull, holds out his hands. Greasy. Skin's cracked. Dirty. Fingernails are dirty. You know, you look at his face, got grease smudges on his face. You know that this man has been about that business. His business is fixing cars. And that's that's what he's been about. You can look at it and tell. He's done thousands of engines. He's fixed them. I can tell this man is about that business. So I said, sir, if you don't mind, I'm going to go to this auto shop next door. And if you don't mind, I'm going to check him out as well. I don't mind at all, my friend. You go over there, and if you need me, I'll be here for you, and I'll fix that car because I know exactly what's wrong with it. All right, I'm going to go next door. So I go next door to this auto shop next door, <clears throat> go inside, and there's a man in a suit standing there. It's like, hey, how are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? I'm great. Uh, where's your mechanic at? I'm the mechanic. Oh, really? Yes, sir. I, I didn't expect you to be wearing a suit. Ah, uh, well, yeah, that's just how I dress for work. Okay. Well, let me let you look at this car and see if you can tell me what's wrong with it. Opens up the hood, and this guy says, I can tell you every part of that engine. Really? 
I can tell you what each part is in that engine right there. That's fantastic. Not only can I tell you what each part is, but I can tell you where it was made and who made it. Wow. That's impressive. It took me years to do that. Fantastic. So you can tell me every part of this engine, every single part, the belts and everything. I can tell you where they're made and who made them. Dad gum, that's impressive. Well, can you fix my engine? I don't know about that. Why not? How many engines have you ever worked on? None. None? No. But I see up here, sir, that you're a master mechanic. You're the top of the line. How'd you get there and you've never worked on an engine before? Because I can tell you where each part came from and who made them. Let me see your hands if you don't mind. Sure. Man, these hands are spotless. Your fingernails look like they've been made over. Oh, I get myself a manicure every Friday. Is that right? So you've never worked on a car? No, never worked on an engine before. But you can tell me all about that engine. Oh, I can tell you all about the engine. But looking at it, you don't know what's wrong with it. Oh, no, I don't know what's wrong with it, but I can tell you who made the part you're looking for. Let me ask you folks, who are you going to go to to fix your engine? Give me the one that's been in the fucking mud, man. Give me the one that's been in the grease, that's been under that hood. I don't give a damn if you know everything about the engine, if you know who built the damn thing, if you know the name of the person who built the belt. That doesn't mean anything to me. You know what means something to me? The one who's been on the front line fighting. That's what means the most to me. Give me the one that's been under that hood, man, thousands of times. That's busted those knuckles, right? Give me that one. I don't want the one who can tell me all about the engine. That don't mean shit to me. I'm not going to take that with me. You got in your position because you know things, not because you've done things. Give me that one. Give me that one. This hands are greasy, man. This hands are split up. That's been about that business. That's been about that action. That is the city letter carrier, man. That's us. We're about that damn business, son. We're out there every day busting our asses. Give me that one. That's my people, man. (laughs) That's my passion. That's my people. That's who I love. I've got great friends at the NELC, and don't get me wrong. I've got great friends at the NELC. I I consider them brothers of mine. My passion, my love, is for the city letter carrier. Don't ever get that twisted. (laughs) That's who I fight for. Always. Always. So when I talk about this podcast, man, I'm not an expert. But I've been under the hood, man. My hands are dirty, are greasy, are cracked, are tore up. You know, it's hard to gain an audience when you've had manicured hands. 
It's hard to gain an audience, baby, let me tell you. Give me somebody who's been about that action, has been on the on the workroom floor, that has been in that fight. Give me that. Always. Give me that. So, I don't know what happened to the podcast coming out of National. I don't know why it fell on its face. You know. And I'm nothing special. Please believe me. I'm not. Like I said, I'm going to go carry Route 11 out of Bellmead Station tomorrow. It's going to be hot. I'm going to be sweating, staying hydrated. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm not a scholar by any means. Y'all can tell that. My vocabulary is limited. (laughs) Barely got out of high school, baby, let me tell you. But I've been about it. Since 2006, I have fought anybody and everybody, and I always will. That's how I was raised. That's how my parents raised me. I'm going to tell you a story here uh, about the National Convention. Uh, I don't know if y'all know it or not, but I got kicked out. (laughs) I got evicted from the National Convention, man. (laughs) Oh, mercy. And I'm going to destroy some shit right here on this podcast, okay? I'm going to burn some shit down right here. Because the one thing I won't tolerate is being targeted for trying to educate my brothers and sisters, right? When I started this podcast, it highly upset individuals at the national level. Highly upset them. And they relate it to people that I know that they were forbidden from coming on here because they can't tell me what to do. They can't tell me what not to do. They can't put their thumb on me. I will never have that, ever. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about to educate my brothers and sisters as much as I can. And that's what I'm going to do. Nobody at any level, will ever influence me on this podcast. And they have told dear friends of mine, you are not to go on that podcast. Why? Why? I don't know. Why would you not want your people educated? What is wrong with an educated workforce? Is that a threat to your position? How can it be? I've already told you time and time again, Corey Walton is not going to run for anything. That's the honest to God's truth. On my life, I'm telling you that. So why am I a threat? Why is this podcast a threat? I told you we're going to get personal, baby. That's what I'm going to do. (laughs) My ass has been chapped because I got stabbed in the back by a friend of mine over this podcast. Now, I'm not going to stop doing it ever. I'm going to do it as long as I can think of something to talk about. I promise y'all that, okay? And I'm not going to do this shit every week. I must get back to educating. I'm going to educate a lot here today. It's going to be a lot of stuff. It's going to be long. I'm going to read Article 1 to y'all, okay? I'm going to read Article 1 because here's the setting. Here's what we're dealing with. You have the Postal Service over here, okay? 
In the middle, you have the city letter carrier. And then over here, you have the NALC. They are not the same. All right? You got the postal service. You got the city letter carrier. And then over here, you got the NALC. Right? The NALC is not city letter carriers. They represent the city letter carrier. Right? We pay them dues to represent us. Now, they represent us if we don't pay dues, but I don't tolerate scabs, right? Because these people are, are fighting for us for our wages and our benefits and things of that nature. Uh, you don't expect them to do that for free. Uh, if you get arrested, you wouldn't expect to have an attorney for free. If you did, it's going to be a public defender, and they may not give a damn. Nothing against them. but So anyway, you got the Postal Service. In the middle, you got the city letter care. And over here, you got the NELC. Now, let me read Article 1. All right. Article one of the national agreement, the postal reorganization act of 1970 PRA transformed the post office department into an independent establishment of the government of the United States, the United States postal service. The PRA also gave postal employees the right to bargain collectively over their wages, hours, and working conditions. The law states that the Postal Service shall accord exclusive recognition to a labor organization when the organization has been selected by a majority of the employees in an appropriate unit as their representative. This PRA mandate followed the concept of exclusive recognition that had long served as the basis for collective bargaining in the private sector. The doctrine holds that only one labor organization can represent all employees in such unit for the purpose of collective bargaining in respect to rates of pay, wages, hours of employment, or other conditions of employment. NALC is the exclusive bargaining agent representing city delivery carriers. Did y'all hear that? NALC is the exclusive bargaining agent. Now, what does agent mean? Do anybody know what agent means? Agent means a person who acts on behalf of another person or group. All right? A person who acts on behalf of another person or group. That means they are not one and the same. Okay? So the NELC works as an agent on our behalf. And we pay them dues to do that. Although the NELC membership is not limited to members of the City Letter Care Craft, NELC is the exclusive representative of all city letter carriers, the only organization entitled to represent letter carriers in their collective bargaining relationship with the U.S. Postal Service. So, with that being said, you've got the Postal Service, you've got city letter carriers, and you've got our agent, the NELC. They work on our behalf, right? Let me tell you what that means to me. This is what that means to me. And I'm going to tell you a story about the National Convention. About eight years ago, I was doing a lot of traveling for the, for the union and arbitrations. One day I'm out on my route and my right calf, is it feels like a Charlie horse is in it, a cramp is in it, okay? So I'm thinking, i got to walk around. I'm going to get out there and walk it off. It got worse. The longer the day went, it got worse. And so... I'm like, something ain't right. 
So I'm going to go and make sure I hadn't tore something, pulled something. So I go to the doctor, and he starts measuring my legs, my calves. And he's like, you know what? Just to be safe, let's send you to get a ultrasound on your calf. I said, okay. So I go and get an ultrasound. I've got a blood clot, a DVT, deep vein thrombosis, in my right calf. And so... The uh, lady who does it, she's like, you're, you're fixing to have to go to the emergency room because this is serious. She says it's about three and a half inches long. It's in your calf. And so she calls my doctor and he says, I've called you in some shots. You've got to give yourself some shots in your stomach. He said, now I'm going to put you on warfarin. And you're going to be on it a long, long time. So he put me off work about two weeks. So I had to lay on the couch <laughs> for two weeks. <laughs> and I had to give myself these shots, 10 shots in my stomach uh, because of that blood clot fast forward a couple of years (laughs) i'm getting a pain in my left calf so scares me obviously because of the pain so i go back to my doctor my primary care physician i was like hey man i was like i think i've got one in my left calf he said well let's send you get you an ultrasound i've got another one another deep vein thrombosis in my left calf so I go to my vascular surgeon. He's like, dude, this ain't right. He says, you're not of age to be getting these. You have a walking route. There's no reason you should be getting these blood clots. These are serious. So he sends me to the top blood doctor in Nashville. I go to Vanderbilt. And uh, she's like, we'll find out what's wrong with you. She's like, we're going to do every test we can do. And we're going to find out what's wrong with your blood. Why you keep having these blood clots. It's like, I'm going to bet it's hereditary. So they do all these tests. She calls me in their office and she's like, we cannot find where you're getting them. She's like, we've never had that happen before. But every one of your blood tests came back positive. You, you're, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your blood. There's absolutely no reason you should be getting these serious blood clots. So I had to start taking a baby aspirin every night. And I'll have to do that for the rest of my life. The one in my right leg screwed my right leg up something bad. So I've got to wear a a sock on my right leg, a um, compression sock on my right leg. Comes up to my knee every day. Summer, 100 degrees, wear a compression sock. The one in my left leg messed my veins up, but I don't have to wear that sock. Now, when I travel, I have to wear compression socks because I drive. Fast forward to the National Convention. I'm a delegate, get elected as a delegate. And uh, so the NALC comes out with these uh, vaccine mandates for to do arbitrations, to go out of state. You gotta have a, it's a vaccine mandate. The NALC did it. So I can't travel out of Tennessee unless I get a medical exemption. So I'm sending papers back and forth, back and forth to get a medical exemption so that I can travel to do what I love, arbitrations. That's what I love doing. So I'm a delegate to the National Convention, uh, get voted in. Uh, My my members saw fit to do that so that I could go represent them at the National Convention. I could vote and I could whatever I needed to do. So I check on the place that we're going, and they do not have a vaccine mandate or a mask mandate. So I'm like, okay, so I'm good to go, make our plans, The NALC comes out with a vaccine mandate, mask mandate. Well, that knocks me back out of it. So I have to cancel my plane tickets. You know, that's fine. You want to put a vaccine mandate? That's your your right. Uh, 
well, I can't go now because obviously I can't get vaccinated. Uh, I, my vascular surgeon said that he would recommend me not due to the uncertainty of it that I and the uncertainty of my blood to not take it. So uh, I canceled my room, canceled my flight. During that time, they clear me. I get, I get my uh, medical clearance to travel. So they give me an email, national. So I asked them in this email, am I still prohibited from going to the national convention? You know, being as they send me these two pages, you can travel, but here's your, what you have to do when you travel. Being as you can't be vaccinated, you have to wear your mask at all times. You have to do these things. Okay, that's no problem. So I ask them, they say, am I still prohibited from going to the national convention? Let us check. They send me back. No, you're, you can go to the national conventions. Follow those safety protocols, though. Wear your mask, all these kind of things. Okay, that's no problem. So I make other plans to come. I go up to the front, hand all my documentation. I'm registered. I'm a registered delegate. Y'all saw the thing. If you came up, you saw my, my ta- name tag and everything. I'm now a registered delegate, right? I go in, and during this period of time, my business agent asked me if I want to nominate him to be business agent. Sure. That's no problem. I'll go up there and nominate you to be business agent. This is probably Sunday. I start hearing some chatter from friends of mine that I'm being set up. (laughs) I'm being set up that they never expected me to get into the the convention but since i was cleared through the email i got in registered delegate so wednesday comes i'm messaging you know hey am i still cleared everything okay must oh yeah i've talked to everybody talk to everybody you're cleared really talk to everybody talk to everybody you're cleared great wednesday comes wednesday's the day of the delegation and I don't care if I'm telling this, you know, it may turn some people off of me. That's all right. But it got out that I got kicked out. So I'm going to tell my story. So Wednesday comes and uh, I'm supposed to sign this piece of paper that I'm going to be nominating a business agent. So I signed this piece of paper and that did me in. As soon as I signed that piece of paper, it wasn't 10 minutes. Somebody came and got me and took me to the back and started blowing smoke up my ass about how they appreciate me, the things that I've done for this union, and all this bullshit. And I said, hang on, brother. I said, you're blowing smoke up my ass. I said, tell me why you brought me back here for. I said, because you're too important to find Corey Walton and come tell him how good he is. I said, cut all that shit out, man. We're both adults. Fair enough. It's come to our attention that, you know, the vaccine. I said, let me stop you right there. I've not been vaccinated. I said, so we can cut that shit out. I said, I've got an email that cleared me to come or else I wouldn't be here. I was coming here before. You got a vaccine mandate that put in place. So I backed out, canceled everything. 
I got this email saying that I could come now, so I'm here. Maybe you misread that email. Don't do that with me, baby. (laughs) Don't do that with me because I deal with sorry son of a bitches all the time at work and I can read through their shit. That's what I do for a living, man. That's what I do for a living is I deal with lying bastards at work. They're called management, right? Don't patronize me, son. I know how to read. So anyway, this conversation goes on a little bit. And he said, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And I said, I get it. I said, well, let me say this before I go. You're a chicken shit son of a bitch. Kind of said it different than that. And I said, whoever sent you here is the same. Right? Whoever sent you to get me is the same. Ten minutes before I'm supposed to get up on that microphone, you kick me out of here. Why is that? Now, I've had some dear friends of mine tell me why they think it is. And I don't know if it's true or not. But is it such a threat that somebody was going on that microphone that all they care to do is educate their people? Is that such a threat that you had to kick me out? Huh? Are we that insecure about what we're doing for our brothers and sisters that you had to kick me out because of a podcast? And you set me up to do it. I know that you did. So I confronted some people about it. Of course, they're chicken shits too. They're not going to say anything. But you set me up. You know who was with me when I was back there cussing that dude out? Nobody, nobody, nobody. Let me tell you this, and this is what I told an individual the next night. He came up to me trying to kiss my ass and stuff. I said, let me tell you what would have happened if I was in that position of someone who could have helped. And they came and got JB and took him back there and said, you're not leaving. You ever see that mother with their child and there's a threat up ahead? Maybe it's a dog. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's an individual that that looks kind of shady. What does that mother do with that child? She takes that child and puts it behind her, right? She takes that child and puts it behind her. You know why? Because she's saying, you're not going to fuck with my child. If you get to my child, that means you get through me. And that's not going to happen. That's what should have happened there. Somebody of authority should have come and said, hold up just a second. This is a registered delegate. It's on his thing. He's registered. Now, if y'all messed that up and he's in here, that's on you. That's on you. Get behind me, Corey. Get behind me. Let me tell you this. Corey's not going anywhere. He's got to go. I'm telling you he's not leaving. So now what are we going to do? He's not going nowhere. So now where are we at? We're going to come get him. Then you're going to have to come get all of us, baby. And we're going to scrap right there. You're not going to fuck with my people ever. Shop stewards, listen to me. You are that mother. You put your carriers behind you when there's a threat. That's what you do. And don't you ever, ever let them go at it alone. Now, I'm a big boy. (laughs) I can handle my own, and I did. I, was, I left. I didn't cause any disruption. I cussed the son of a bitch out, and I left, right? 
because I'm not going to embarrass my branch. You know, that's why I wore suit pants and dress shirt every day. I'm going to try to be respectful of my branch and my region and my union, and I'm going to try to represent myself that way. So I wasn't going to be an embarrassment to them. What should have happened was somebody of authority in my region should have come back there and said, hold up just a second. Corey, get back here behind me. I'm going to handle this. You know why that didn't happen? Because I was set up by my friends. Why? Because of this podcast. There are people in authority that do not want y'all educated. And why? I do not know. It makes no sense to me. And this is not me speculating. This is not assumption. This is not me being paranoid. These are things that have been told to me. Why do they not want an educated workforce? Huh? Is that a threat to our NALC, our agent? Is that a threat to them that we're educated? How could it be? How could it be? Shop stewards, formalese, DRT, business agent office. Anybody at National, you put us behind you and fight for us all the time. Don't you ever let anybody go at it alone because you're a failure at your fucking job if that's what you do. Whoever should have been back there with me was a failure at their fucking job, man. Don't you ever let anybody go at it alone. Like I said, I handled my business and I always will. On that workroom floor, I will tell my carriers, look, district is after us. Y'all going and do what y'all do. I got you. You can ask any of my carriers, any of them. I tell them that. District is coming down on us about this here. Don't y'all worry about it. I've got you. I've got your back. Get behind me. I'm going to handle business. Get behind me. Shop stewards, if you've got 10 days, 20 years, don't ever, don't ever lose that. Don't ever lose that. You get your carriers, baby. Put them behind you like that mother. Huh? Nobody's going to fuck with my people, man. Nobody. The same thing at that convention. Like I said, if they came and got any of my people, I would have went back there with them and said, what's going on here? He's got to leave. Bullshit. He ain't going nowhere, baby. He ain't going nowhere. He is a registered delegate. You see that on his thing? He's a registered delegate. You know where he's going? Back to his seat. Y'all fucked that up when you let him in here, if he wasn't supposed to be here. But I see this email that says he can come. Now he spent all of his annual, all of his money being here because his people voted him to come and represent them. That's what a delegate is, right? Look here, man. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> when I tell y'all the only thing I care about is city letter cares, <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I don't trust nobody. Nobody. I've been burned by both sides. For what? For what? If I'm working for the NLC as a shop steward, as, a, as an outside formal A, as a advocate, I'm working for the NLC, right? I give it everything I can. A hundred percent. I've got... 20 boxes over here 
of arbitration cases I'm going to have to go through. I've got a brief due in two weeks. I'm going to give it every single thing that I've got 100% I'm going to put into it. Why? Because that's who I am. That's how I was raised. That's how I was raised. NELC, listen to me. Every penny spent should be for the advancement of city letter carriers. Every memo signed should be for the advancement of the city letter carrier. Every waking hour should be spent for the advancement of the city letter carrier. Nothing else matters. Nothing. The only thing that matters is the city letter carrier. And if that's not the business that we're about, then get your ass back to carrying mail. Right? Because <laughs> you're worthless to all of us in that position. Some people aspire to be there because they don't want to do anything. They don't want to deliver any mail anymore. You're nothing more than a 204B. Right? Some people, I'm going to be at national. Why? Because I don't want to do shit no more. You're nothing more than a 204B who is too fucking lazy to carry the mail. So they're going to go sit on that desk. Don't be like that, man. You give us everything you've got. You give the city letter carrier everything you've got. You fight for us at all times. You be that mother. You put us behind your back and say, nobody is going to fuck with my carriers ever. Be that way, man. And I'll support you 100%. But if you don't, if you don't, I'm going to call your ass out on it. I promise you that. Like I said before, you can stab me in my back. You can lie on me. And it happens all the time. Why? I don't know, man. I'm a simple dude, man. I'm a simple dude. I carry my route, come home, chill with my girlfriend, man, and, and we just relax. If I got cases, I spend all my time on that. I'm not interested in anything else. I'm not interested in any I'm not interested in any position. Ever. I'm not. I know that if I was president of this union, which I will never be, one month out of the year or equivalent of days, everybody up there would go do an informal A meeting at some point, at somewhere, a formal A meeting some point, somewhere, an arbitration somewhere. One month or the equivalent of those days, they're going to be out doing informal A's at some station, whether it's one carrier, 80 miles from the next office, or the biggest city that's got all the problems. You're going to get your ass out of there, and you're going to go do that. Why? Because you forget where you come from and what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be representing us. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Now, I told you this was a personal one, and a lot of y'all probably didn't want to hear that. But it got out that I got kicked out, so I'm going to tell my story. Man, and that's my story right there, and I'm sticking to it, right? I'll say it one more time. One more time, and then I'll be done with it. I'm about the city letter carrier, son. I'm about the city letter carrier 100%. 
Nothing else matters to me. Nothing. I will fight for y'all as long as I have a breath in my body. If you have nobody else, you've got me. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening, listen to me. I have got your back. Always. If you need help, you contact me. You will never be alone as long as I am breathing a breath. Right? You will never be alone as long as I'm breathing. I will put you behind me and I will fight for you as much as I can because I love that shit. I love that fight and I will never run. I'm not a coward like they reared their heads up in this national convention. I will never run away from you. I promise you that I have got you. Y'all hear that? You email me, you call me, you message me, and the best of my ability, I answer, okay? Because I know what it's like. I know what it's like being new. I do. I do. I've got a heart for you, man. I've got a heart for you. You will never be alone as long as Corey Walton is breathing upright on this earth, man. I will take you and I will put you behind me and I will fight the fucking fight, man. You understand that? Shop stewards be the same way. I'm fixing to get into some stuff to help you out. Be the same way. Put your cares behind you, whether they like you or not. I don't care. Put them behind you and let them know. Not today, baby. (laughs) Not today, management. These are mine. I got them. These are mine, okay? This is my people right here, the city letter carrier. Nothing's more important. Nothing. Nothing. That's my group, right? I'm their mechanic. Baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Let's talk about some things. This it's, <laughs> Damn. It's 50 minutes and I ain't even started. But I had to get that off my chest, man. Because uh, it got out that I got kicked out. And I don't want anybody getting the wrong story. I'll tell you. And I got receipts now. <laughs> I got receipts. So if anybody wants to challenge anything I just said, baby, I got receipts. Y'all hear this? That's my receipts right there. I'm looking at them. That's my email, son. I know how to build a case file against anybody. Against anybody. I know how to build a case file. So I keep my receipts. I'm going to help some CCAs out right here. Listen to, listen to me. Uh, to me, there's nothing more badass than a CCA that tells me they are a shop steward. Nothing. You want to know a badass? How about a CCA becoming a shop steward? Let me tell you something. To me, that's badass. You just walked into this beast of a corporation as dysfunctional as anything you'll ever see. Management has no idea their ass from a hole in the ground. And you're going to be a shop steward? Let me tell you. You got my utmost respect 
And that and a dollar get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's. But you got my utmost respect if you're doing that. Now, I've had a couple of reach out to me. And I'm going to address something right here that one of them sent me. And I asked him if if he minded if I read this email to get y'all kind of a backdrop of it. And uh, he said, no, I said, I would not read your name. But I'm going to read this email because there's a lot of new stewards out there that may be dealing with this. And I'm sure that you are. So let's talk about it. He says, hey, I'm a new CCA, also a new steward. Badass. <laughs> Telling you. Been here about a year. And being so new, my postmaster is dismissive to me regarding union matters because she doesn't respect me as a worker since I'm still a CCA. She will constantly deny union time delay giving me information, and even when she gives me information, well, she will give it to other union representatives instead of me. She'll always tell me, I need you to go back to your route. Don't worry about that. Anytime I submit anything to her, how do I change this? My brother, thank you for reaching out to me, and I'm going to take care of that right now. <laughs> we can take care of that right now. A few episodes back, I talked about the 8190 the fangs of a jackal. It's the devastator amongst devastators, my man. The 8190, the grievance form. is the devastator amongst devastators, sir. When you get into Article 17 and it talks about information, Article 31 talks about information, okay? If they're not giving you information, don't sweat that. Every time I train, I tell people, management is not going to stress me out ever. You know why? Because I got the 8190. I will never be stressed at work because I have the 8190. It's the devastator, baby, amongst devastators. So to my friend, my brother, my hero, <laughs> the CCA who's the steward, she's constantly denying you union time. You're going to file an Article 17 violation on that, okay? You're going to file an Article 17 violation on that. All right? We requested union time. She denied it. You're going to file an Article 17. Get into Article 17. We're going to look at that. Uh, I did one, an Article 17 uh, episode earlier, if you want to find that. It's an Article 17 violation. Don't sweat it, baby. Let me tell you, you're going to file that. You're going to put in your contentions, your request for union time. Make sure you're putting in a request, a written request, okay? Put in your union time request. Put in there the denial, all right? And give me a small statement. Uh, I put this in, as you can see on this date. My manager refused me union time. And then we're going to, to, to meet on that at the informal, all right? Don't worry about management. They're irrelevant through all of this. <laughs> the supervisor, manager, they're completely irrelevant. Trust me. She's delaying you giving me information. Okay? That's an Article 1731 violation as well. I've got 14 days to file a grievance. Okay? Under Article 15. We can find that in Article 15. I've got 14 days to file a grievance. Right? So if I put in an information request and management delays that, 12 days, 13 days. I'm going to file on that an Article 17 and 31, okay? 
I'm filing a grievance on that article 17 and 31 because you have to give it to me in a timely manner. I've got 14 days to see if I've got a grievance or not. If you give it to me on day 12 or day 13, how am I supposed to figure out that I have a grievance? Then you're not giving me union time on top of that. Okay? Let's file those grievances. 1731 if you're not giving me my information in a timely manner. If you're not giving me union time, let's hit them with a 17. Okay? Get in there and read 17 and 1731. If she's given the information to somebody else, the name on that information request, if I'm going to arbitration, is all I care about. If I put in an information request and she gives my information to JB, what good does that do me? He didn't put the information request in. I did. I'm the shop steward of record. So if she gives it to somebody else, that's a violation of 1731. I submitted an information request. I never received it. Well, I gave it to so-and-so. He didn't put in an information request. I don't care who you gave it to. I put it in. 17 and 31, baby. Okay? File those grievances. I don't care if she's dismissive or not. She's temporary. Her voice is temporary. She's going to be dismissive when you start hitting that ass for an escalated monetary award because she continues to do these things after a cease and desist, right? Uh, JB is going to talk about this at length next week, okay? The informal, uh, because I told him, I said, I got too many CCAs uh, reaching out that are in trouble. Uh, he's going to do that, okay, next week. But that's how I'm going to handle that, Uh if she says, go back to your route, don't worry about it, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Sure will. I'm going to go back to my route, and I'm not going to worry about it. But I need to meet on this grievance I'm fixing to file. For what? For going back to my route, not worrying about it? What are you talking about? Well, I put in a union time, you, you denied it, but I'm going to go back to my route and not worry about it, okay? Uh, I put in an information request, I ain't got that yet. But look here, I'm going to go back to my route and not worry about it. But when is a good time to meet on these grievances I'm fixing to file on that ass for not giving me anything? Because and hurry up and tell me because I'm fixing to go back to my route and not worry about it. They're temporary, baby. Let me tell you. Management is temporary. Dismissive or not, we will gain their respect through this grievance. It's also called a foot, right? The 8190 is also a foot. And we're going to stick it in their ass when they keep fucking with us. All right? So, to you, my friend, my brother, my hero, if she's denying the union time, Article 17. Okay? You have the right. When you look at 17, it talks about our rights. You have a right to that. Uh, if you're having to do the work at home, if, if you got a grievance, you know you've got a grievance. She's not giving you union time, and you're having to do the work at home. Listen to me, my friend. Make sure that you're itemizing your time and duties. At 6 o'clock, I started looking at clock rings, and I looked at those till 7.30. From 7.30 until 8, I wrote my contentions. From 8 until 9... I uh, did an overview, double-checked my clock rings, corrected my contentions, uh, prepared a statement, whatever. Make sure you're itemizing your time and duties, okay? And then when you put in your 
grievance, Article 17, for not giving you union time, you're going to also say that you want to be compensated that time that you had to do that at home. Okay, so if you had two and a half hours at home, you want to be compensated that time that you had to do that union time at at home. Is that making sense to you, my friend? So we're going to file a grievance on them denying you union time. Very simple. 17. If you do that work at home, itemize it. Time and duties. Make sure that you're putting your time and what you did. That way we can win that. You're going to put that in with your grievance. Okay? Saying that I had to work at home two and a half hours. I want to be compensated for that time. Okay? Is that making sense to you? And if it's not, if I'm not explaining it to you, please, please email me. Contact me. You can call me. I'll give you my number. You can call me. Uh, a delay in information, 17 and 31. Okay? That's how that's the grievance we're going to file. And do not be scared to file these grievances. Do not be scared. She's going to threaten you and all the things that managers do. They always do that, especially to a new steward. You're a CCA. She thinks she's going to run over you. The 8190, right? It's a superhero. It'll come to your aid. It'll be your protection. It's your Superman. It's your Batman. It's your Black Panther, right? That's what the 8190 is. It'll come to your aid. And it will it will knock down the most abusive manager. It will shut them up. Just that one piece of paper. Isn't that miraculous? So 17 and 31 is where we're going with that. Uh, And like I said, JB will get into this more next week. Uh, He's going to have a long episode as well. I've got another one. uh, And and I asked this uh, individual if I could uh, read her email. It's the same thing. Okay. Says, hello. First, I want to thank you for making this podcast. You have already helped me help carriers in my office with uh, all of your knowledge. Do you have any advice for dealing with intimidation? Like management saying, be very careful what you grieve. Things can get really bad here if you grieve X, Y, and Z. I frequently contact my regional reps for advice as a new steward, but this is one of my biggest obstacles. I remind management that it's my obligation to protect carriers via grieving, especially when they ask me to. Besides growing thicker skin and not showing them that they are getting to me, do you have any suggestions? Did you experience this more so when you were new? Did you wear off the longer you were steward? Uh, and so I asked her if she minded if I, I talked about it. She goes on, I, when I say threats, I mean they're threatening discipline. Things will get ugly. Don't disturb the family environment. You don't know what I can do. I can turn into a real asshole. Vague but fear tactic kind of language. All that if I grieve contract violations. Other carriers have mentioned that the postmaster is threatening them too, so it's not just me. He's new and actually used to carrying this office. Uh, He's going after the weaker carriers, and I'm trying to get ahead of his discipline by helping them out. Absolutely. Let's talk about it. What you have is a coward for a manager, okay? That's what you've got. And he's going to try to bully the weaker carriers, like you say. You talk about he tries to bully you because you're new. Um, It happens all the time. It happens all the time. This is what I would do. And you say that you need to get thicker skin. I agree with that. That doesn't mean you need to take anything, but I'm fixing to tell you what you need to do. 
You need to ask if you can talk to him in the office. Okay? Ask him if you can talk to him in the office. Make sure you're on union time when you do it. And I would tell him, one more threat that comes out of his mouth to me or my carriers, and you're going to file a joint statement on him and ask that he be removed from his position. And you tell him that you're not bullshitting. One thing we will not have ever is our carriers being threatened by some asshole manager. Ever. We control that. We do. We control that. I I said this a few episodes ago. The letter carrier is everything. You remember when I was talking about that Kingdom of Heaven episode when they says nothing and everything? The carrier is everything. Everything. We control it all. Get statements from all of your carriers where he's threatening y'all. That's what I would do. I'd get threat. I would get statements from every carrier that he's threatening y'all. You write a very detailed statement that he's threatening discipline if you grieve certain X, Y, and Z, as you said. Write a very detailed statement, all right? Get statements from all your carriers. This is going to be twofold. Now, this is going to be why we're doing this. This is twofold. One, you've got it on record, okay? You've got a grievance you're fixing to file, and I'm going to tell you what to do. But one, you've got it on record now, okay? And so any discipline that he does file, I'm going to put that in there. He's already threatened us with discipline. Now here he comes with it. And it's going to take the sting out of that discipline a little bit. But you're going to go back. I don't, if you if you got time, listen to my joint statement episodes on what you're going to need. Okay? Uh, it's going to take you a little time now. It's going to take you a little time, and I'm sorry. But listen to those episodes about Mutual Respect, 115.4, the M39 Handbook. Okay? Uh, listen to those joint statement episodes, and we're going to cinch this sumbitch up. Right? He's going to come in there with donuts every day after we're finished with his sorry, cowardly ass. Okay? Look, you reached out to me, which means you care. And I care. We'll do this together. All right? But get statements from all your people. You write a very detailed statement about what he's been saying. Listen to my joint statement episodes. It's going to tell you everything you need to put in that file. But first off, talking about your thicker skin, (laughs) and I understand I understand. Trust me. Uh, I'd take him into the office. You wouldn't let anybody do that to your kids if you got kids. As a mother, you know, that hair is going to stand up on your back. Go into the office and tell him, look here, I respect you and your position. But at no time after I leave this office, will you threaten me or my carriers anymore? As soon as I walk out of this office, that's over with. Okay, it's done. Don't ever let me hear you threaten me or my carriers ever again, or I will address it through the grievance procedure. Okay, ma'am, that's how I would handle it. All right. If you had to file this grievance, listen to my joint statement episodes. All right, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to put in the file. Get very good statements from your carriers. If they're if they're scared to write a statement, question them. Question them. Have they ever? Has he ever threatened you? Well, yeah. He's. What do he say to you? Blah blah blah. Write it down on a piece of paper that he said that to you under questioning. Some carriers don't want to write statements. They're indifferent. You know, 
management can threaten to fire them and they're just coming in, do their stuff and going home. So it makes it difficult. But uh, get statements from whoever will write them. Get statements. Very good, detailed statements about what's being said. Don't just say that he's mean. He's grumpy. Very detailed statements about what's being said to y'all. He's threatening me with discipline. Arbitrators aren't going to tolerate that. He's threatening the shop steward if they file grievances. Arbitrators aren't going to tolerate that. I'm just telling you. Okay? So, hopefully that helped you out. If it didn't, email me back. (laughs) I'll give you my number. We'll talk some more. All right? Here's some other things. Let's get into some CD rap. Not CD rap. T rap. (laughs) And this individual reached out and asked that I not speak their name, and I'm not. Okay, I asked that they minded if I talked about this on here and they said, nope, that's fine with them. But they they did not want me uh, saying their name. So I'm going to respect that and I'm not going to do it. But we talked about T-Rap at National Convention. And then I know that it, it they mean well and there's some great stories. People got up and talked about it. They put routes back into their station and stuff like that. Uh, but T-Rap to me is... At, at that level, what you've done is you, you shook the hand of the devil. You shook the hand of the devil and walked away and left, left us down here to fight him. And so we're in the process of fighting the devil. That's what's happened. I, I get it. I listened. I looked at all the slides and listened to the, the people up there talking. I get it. It's fantastic and wonderful. But you have shook the hand of the devil and walked away from him and left the carriers to fight him is all that you've done. Horror story after horror story is coming out about this shit. We are fighting the devil with this new process. And guess what? We're going to fight him. We're going to fight him. As a city letter carrier, we're going to fight the devil. Why? Because we're badasses. That's why. (laughs) That's why. That's exactly why. But here's what this individual said. Now listen to this now. It's unbelievable. He says the good. This is the good. Out of the two zones, we ended up with an additional three full-time routes and one three-hour auxiliary route from the T-Rap process. So they got three full-time routes out of it. Ain't nothing you can say about that, but that's good, right? Three full-time routes and three-hour aux. The carriers here in my station couldn't be happier, and this process worked great. Carriers are now done in eight hours, and a lot of them actually enjoy coming to work. Let me tell you something. Nothing makes me happier than knowing my carriers are happy. Nothing. So he says that. The carriers here in my station couldn't be happier. Right on. It worked for them. I was picked to be a REIT team member, and the details started a week ago. The bad and the ugly. Listen to this now. The bad and the ugly. Dear God, Corey, I have already had my DLT member call me three times in two days of being on this detail regarding my behavior. Shit like, I'm being difficult, not giving in, not allowing him, my USPS counterpart, to deduct time because of the parameters were exceeded. Y'all remember when I talked about those parameters? 
We say that they're not a standard. Management is going to say absolutely they're a standard. 22 minutes loading, 7 minutes uh, when you come back, 1 minute parcel delivery, 3 minute signature confirmation. I said management's going to take those as standards, right? That's when it's first started. Remember I told you mayhem's coming, baby. Mayhem's coming. It's on us. It's here. That's what he says. I'm being difficult, not giving in, not allowing him, my USPS counterpart, to deduct time because the parameters were exceeded. It's a standard to them. Bottom line is, we're jumping into stations without even reviewing information. Work our workload, speaking with local office contacts, unedited 3999s, nothing. And management is already editing carrier's time. Seven random weeks because the carriers exceeded the parameters. Did y'all hear that? Management is editing carriers times because they exceeded those parameters. You shook the hand of the devil, baby. And you left us to fight that son of a bitch. That's all you did, man. That's all you did. Management is already editing carriers time. Seven random weeks because the carriers exceeded the parameters. Can you imagine that? Because I took two minutes of parcel, management's editing my time to one. Because of these parameters. You remember when I said earlier that every MOU you sign, you better have the carrier's interest at heart? Remember that? How'd you not see this shit coming? Man, you've left us down here on this battlefield. It's already hard enough dealing with these sorry line bastards. This poor guy's on a, on a team where, the, where he's going into stations management, editing the carrier clock rings because it exceeds the parameters. God dang. I have been through this process as an LOC and worked with two great gentlemen, noted above, that represent the NLC. And I have read the memos and have listened to you read them. Sorry about that, my man. I know that was brutal. (laughs) It pisses me off. Good for you, baby. It pisses me off too. It pisses me off because it worked in my station, but what I'm seeing now as a REIT team member is completely different and backwards. I know if this is happening in my district, it is more than likely going on everywhere else, which is extremely troublesome. I have escalated this issue through my DLT and I'm hoping to speak with so-and-so this week while uh, in a certain place. So, there you have it, the good and the bad. We, we weren't prepared. We weren't prepared. It was sloppily done. It was sloppily introduced. We weren't prepared. Management, I, I guarantee you this, if the head of headquarters level, postmaster general, whoever else, put out a memo that says, don't mess with anything, let these team members do it, Stuff wouldn't be messed with. Whoever signed this memo, if they sent out an email, don't mess with anything. These are not standards. Don't mess with the carriers. Let the teams do it. It wouldn't have been done. It wouldn't be going on now. Somebody from our side should be having two feet and an ass right now. Saying, look here, if you don't cut this shit out, we will withdraw from this thing. Because every waking moment, the letter carrier has to be at the forefront of the agent's mind. 
Every penny spent should be towards the letter carriers, the advancement of the letter carriers. In the agent's mind, every memo signed, every memo signed should be towards the advancement of the letter carrier as far as our agent is concerned. And our agent is the National Association of Letter Carriers. I love them dearly. I represent them with all everything that I've got. Baby, we are struggling down here right now because of this shit. And I'm going to show you something else here in a second that I know came from this. Somebody needs to get off their chair, straighten up their dress shirt, march across the street and say, hey, listen here, bitch. If this shit don't stop, baby, we'll go back to how we was doing it. Management is lying cheating bastards that is all they are good for that is all they are good for you've got to know that when you sign shit management is lying cheating bastards that's all they're good for man that's all they're good for you got to know when you sign this I I figured that out, man. I barely got out of high school. Like I said, when I saw those parameters, the first thing I said to my carriers, wait and see. Management will say that these are new standards. I talked to some very intelligent people. Oh, no, they're not going to. That's not going to go. That's not going to happen. That's not. Baby, where have you been? It's not been on the workroom floor. Where have you been, son? I could tell you that when I saw it. Management's going to take those as standards. And what does this guy say? Management's pissed at him that he won't deduct those times over the parameters. Management is editing clock rings based off of those standards. Baby. Son. You protect us, man. You protect us down here. We're in a battle every single day. We're in a battle. From something. The elements, management, mail, parcels, customers, dogs. We're in a battle every single day, man. My agent needs to protect us at all times. That's what my agent needs to do. My mother, to me, was the ultimate badass growing up. She took no shit from nobody. And nobody could talk to her. It was legendary the way she was. People still talk about it today. But if we did, my brother and I were complete hellions. We tore up shit. But if we would tear up something and somebody came dragging us to my mother and they're getting on us, my mother would snap off in their ass, man. See, but first off, don't you ever come in here talking about my kids. And don't you put your hands on them neither. And she would go off, and it didn't matter where you were at. She's done this in the middle of church before. She would do that. She would go, I've seen them put that finger in people's faces about us. Don't you ever talk to my kids like that. Now, that's probably the way why we were like that. But, but then she'd get home and she'd beat our asses for it. 
But nobody else is going to mess with us. Nobody else is going to deal with us. She's going to take care of us, you know, in her own way. But nobody else is going to mess with us. Listen to me. You protect us at all times. You put us behind you and say, look here. Nobody, as the agent of these people, as their agent, I'm telling you, nobody's going to mess with them. You shook the hand of the devil, my friend. You shook the hand of the devil. And you left us to fight with them. But that's exactly what we're going to do, baby. I'm telling you that right now. Something else that came out, and I'm going to tell y'all how to address this, okay? I'm going to tell you how to address this. There's two more things, and then I'm going to get into <laughs> Damn it. I told you it's going to be long, and I apologize. It's an hour and 20 minutes. I got two more things, and then I'm going to get into this uh, uh, rural city. I'm not going to postpone it till next week. I, I keep kicking this down. That poor guy told him I'd do it seven, 18 episodes ago. So I'm going to do it. It's just going to be an extra long episode, okay? A lot of this coming out right now, this hour office time, and this question was asked of a very high-ranking official up there in the in the in the at the contention at the convention, and uh, he completely missed the point. He's like, "Your standard is still eighteen and eight. That you didn't get the question." Talking about this hour office time, but here's something that somebody put up, and it says effective August thirteenth of twenty twenty-two. Casing office time, casing slash office time will only be for an hour. All caps, highlighted, underlined. Casing office time will only be for an hour. If for some reason you feel as if your casing volume is high, the instruction is to fill out a 3996, turn it into a supervisor with a justified reason as to why you need more than an hour to case your mail. I'm going to read that again now. Fill out a 3996. Turn it into a supervisor with a justified reason as to why you need more than an hour to case your mail. (laughs) It's got some other things. If it is not approved, you must pull down your route. Load your vehicle. No more than 30 minutes to load. At least they gave us eight minutes to the 22 minutes, right? No more than 30 minutes to load. 15 minutes to arrive at your first delivery point. 15 minutes to arrive at your first delivery point. We will monitor from the time you leave the parking lot until you actually start your first delivery. Please adhere to the instructions in this notice. Thank you. The only exception is if you are casing multiple routes. I'd file a grievance so fast on that management wouldn't have time to sit down after they after they put this thing up. You've got so many violations right there, it's not even funny. Here's a problem that I got. When it says we will monitor from the time you leave the parking lot until you actually start your first delivery. How are you gonna monitor me? You gonna come watch me? There's only two of y'all. There's twenty of us. How are you gonna monitor me? Through this GPS? I filed a grievance on that once. Y'all remember that? I filed a grievance on them watching me. And my people killed it. Because to me, that's a grievance. 
under 134 of the M39 handbook. You cannot spy on me or use covert techniques. I'd file a grievance on that because that part of the M39 is being violated on paper. I've got evidence right there. You said you're going to monitor me. How? I'd ask him, how are you going to monitor me? Through this GPS? Bam. You got one right there. I can't trust my own people, though, not to kill it. But that's what I would do. I would grieve that portion of it under 134 of the M39 handbook. Spying and using covert techniques, because that's exactly what it is. You know what they're going to say? We got these new memos that say that we can do it because we shook the hand of the fucking devil. Right? If I'm you, my friend, that put this up, I'm going to grieve that. I'm also going to grieve where you said fell out of 3996 if I can't make it out in an hour. I'm grieving that. A 3996 is for what? For my request for overtime, auxiliary assistance. I'm not requesting overtime. That's what a 3996 is for. It's for overtime. Why would I need to put in a 3996 because I can't make it out of an office in an hour, which makes no sense. So when somebody says, well, 18 and 8 still stands, you're missing the entire point. Management has given me a direct order to get out of the office in an hour. So what do I do with that? I'm pulling down and getting out in an hour. And whatever mail I got there, I'm feeling the curtail slip out and having it signed. If you don't want to sign that, that's a grievance. There's so much to this notice right here. I'd be grieving. There are 20 grievances out of this one damn notice. First off, I'm filing on that 3996. That's for auxiliary assistance overtime. And it'll tell you on the 3996. And I'm going to address that in just a minute over something else that's being done. So on that, on the 3996 being filled out, if I can't make it out in an hour, that's a grievance. If it is not approved, you must pull down your route. Okay, make sure you're pulling out that curtail slip, folks. Make sure you're filling out that curtail slip, right? Load your vehicle, no more than 30 minutes to load. I'm going to grieve that. I don't have a time to load. I load however long it takes it takes to load. I'm going to grieve that because you put it on paper. You didn't sell me that in a stand-up talk. You put it on paper. So I'm going to grieve that. I don't have a loading time. Now they're going to say this memo says you got 22 minutes. That's shaking the hand of the devil. We don't we don't go by that's not a standard. 15 minutes to arrive at your first delivery point. I'm grieving that. Takes what it takes. And I'm going to ask them as a shop steward. When I get this notification, I'm going to say, "Can I talk to you in the office about this notification?" Yeah. All right. It says fill out a 3996. That's for overtime. So what are you saying right there? Because this is not overtime. An hour. Okay. Well, I'm going to grieve that. Just letting you know. Uh, load your vehicle no more than 30 minutes to load. Or what? Or what? Load your vehicle no more than 30 minutes to load. No more than 30 minutes to load or what? What if I take 35? What What then? Well, you're going to be disciplined. Okay. Going to grieve that. I'm going to have a grievance for you on that, but thank you for telling me that. 15 minutes to arrive at your first delivery point, or what? What if it takes me 20? Or what? Hold them accountable. When, they, when they're stupid, hold them accountable for their stupidity. This is stupid. 
If it's not approved, you must pull down your route. Fine. Load your vehicle. No more than 30 minutes to load. Or what? What then? But I'm grieving that because there's no such thing. 15 minutes to arrive at your first delivery point. Or what? Hold them accountable. We will monitor from the time you leave the parking lot until you actually start your first delivery. Monitor me how. Monitor me how. Please adhere to these instructions in all caps. Instructions in all caps. You know why? Because they're going to put this blanket on you. You know what it is? Failure to follow instructions. What instructions? Well, it has to be a rule. And the rule has to be a reasonable rule. None of these are rules. And none of them are reasonable. Remember that. But I'm going to grieve that the 3996 is for auxiliary assistance only. I don't file fill one of those out because I can't make it out of the office in an hour. That's idiotic. Grieve that. Now I'm going to tell you how to grieve it in just a second. I've got something else I'm going to tell you, and it all fit into one, okay? But these hour office times, to me, this is what it is. It's a it's a way to get around pet. You know, pet, when you talk about it, takes out your, your fixed office time. It takes out your 33 minutes, 43 minutes, and it's left you with the basics. What this is is a way to get around pet. You've got one hour. See, if they, they know if they come up to you with pet, you can grieve that. And so you can't tell, you know, you can't base my leave time on Doris or pet. This is their way of getting around those two things. When they say, you know what, just tell them they got to be gone in an hour. And that way they can't say Doris or Pet. You know, because we didn't say Doris or Pet. We're just telling you to get out in an hour. Okay? Make sure you're filling out your curtail slips if you're having to get out before you case your mail. Shop stewards, you're going to have to be very aggressive with this thing. Okay? This is going on everywhere. I saw somebody on Facebook put up that management has hung up a one-hour clock. And every 15 minutes, the manager tells them what the time is. They got one hour to get out, and they got a clock on the wall. One hour. I don't know if anybody else saw that. This is based off of these memos, I guarantee it. I've never heard of that before until these memos. Right before it, they knew they were coming out. One hour to get out of the office. My station causes a 60-minute variance, but they don't do it because they know we're not going to do that. <laughs> there's nothing they can do to me. But there's like, you know, management's coming down on a 60-minute variance. What's that even mean? What the hell am I supposed to do after that? You know, don't let them get away with this. Anywhere you are, do not let them get away with this. Okay. I know that this is based off of those memos. If they can get everybody out of the office in an hour, that means that you've got to have seven hours of street time. You know, seven hours of street time. Who can do seven hours of street time? You know, maybe a lot of you can. That's tough. That's tough. But make sure you're putting in your curtail slips. You know, if I got 43 minutes of fixed office time with a break, that gives me how much time (laughs) or an hour to get out? You know what I'm saying? Uh, This is a way to, to cut us in the office, this hour office time. But I'm going to talk more about the 3996 here in a minute, okay? For that individual put that up. Here's another thing, and then we're going to get into that 3996. This is somebody put this up. It says, time to pick some brains. 
management at my office has decided to basically assign overtime to carriers prior to them even punching in. In many cases, they are making these decisions the evening prior. I don't know if there is a method to madness or not, but it really seems as though they are arbitrarily assigning the overtime. Now, here's here's where we're going to get them now. Here's your grievance I'm fixing to tell you on this. When we clock in and get to our cases to begin casing, there will often be a 3996 on the desk with how much time we will be carrying off another route. Did y'all hear that? When we clock in and get to our cases to begin casing, there will often be a 3996 on the desk with how much time we'll be carrying off another route. Who requests a 3996? Does management request that or does the carrier request it? We do. And I'm going to get into the language in just a minute. We do. So when management comes over to our case with a 3996, it's pre-filled. You're violating Article 1. That's carrier work, right? And I've got a, a B-team decision that Jeremy's putting up on for made arbitration. And you can go and look because we've already grieved this and won it. You can't use the B-team decision because it's not out of your installation. But you can look at it and you can plagiarize it, the issue and the remedy and the uh, contentions. Okay, but the B team decision from this will be up on from aidarbitration.com. Jeremy will put that up there for you. Look at that B team decision. Like I said, you cannot use it. Don't copy it and put it in your file, but you can take the issue. You can take the remedy that was given and you can take the contractual language out of that. Okay, and there's your grievance. You've already won it. Okay, we request a 3996. Management does not. And you will never tell me how long it's going to take me on uh, on a pivot, on a takeoff. You, you can't tell me that. And you will never fill out my 3996. That's a violation of Article 1. I request overtime. You don't. You will never fill out a 3996 for me. So here's the language I want y'all to look at. And there's, there's two things. Uh, both of them are very good. The first one is from Brian Renfro, and this was January of 2018. He talks about reporting requirements. This is in the postal record. Okay? It says, uh, number one, verbally inform your manager. Section 131.41 and 131.42 of Handbook M41 require you to verbally inform your manager when you believe... You cannot carry all the mail distributed to your route in eight hours or within your normal schedule. Okay, so a lot of use in there. We do that. Request the PS form 3996, section 122.33 of handbook M39. Y'all get y'all's pen and pad out now. I'm giving y'all some contractual language. You got sections 131.41 and 131.42 of handbook M41. Now we've got section 122.33 of handbook M39 requires the manager to provide you with a PS form 3996 when you request it. Now, if I've got one sitting at my case, I didn't request that son of a bitch. I didn't request that. If you've got one sitting in my case pre-filled, that's a violation of article one, baby, because I request that and I fill it out. So you're doing my work. 
That's a violation of Article 1. That B-team decision talks about that. When you request a 3996, no matter what your manager says to you, say, I'm requesting a 3996, and explain the reasons for your request. If you're denied the form, immediately request to see your shop steward. Okay? Fill out the form completely. It is important that you fill out the form completely, not management. They don't fill out my form. In the reason for the request box, write down why you believe you cannot complete your assignment in eight hours. Fully explain the reasons for your request. General comments such as heavy volume or route overburden are not enough in this section. Uh, and it goes on to talk about things. Here's another one. How to request overtime or auxiliary assistance and complete a PS1 3996 care auxiliary control. Now this goes also back to that hour office time when they said if you can't case your mail in an hour, right? If you can't case your mail in an hour, fill out a 3996. Here's why that's a violation, okay? How to request overtime or auxiliary assistance and complete a PS form 3996, carry auxiliary control. So I'm not requesting overtime or auxiliary assistance. That's the only reason that I'm going to fill out a 3996. So when they're talking about this hour office time, fill out a 3996. No, sir. No, ma'am. I don't do that now. You got to do it until you file this grievance. <laughs> so uh, you're going to file this grievance and this is what you're going to do. The morning routine of estimating your workload for the day is often difficult to do, even for experienced letter carriers. Whether you're just starting your career or are more seasoned carrier. Now this is out of the postal record, January, 2022. Whether you're just starting your career or more seasoned carrier, the rules remain the same when you believe that your route you're assigned to Carry has more work than you can complete within eight hours. That hour office time has nothing to do with that. Or you believe that you cannot complete all the work as assigned to you for the day within your scheduled time. Below are the steps to take to notify management this happens. Verbally inform your manager if you don't think you complete your assignment in eight hours. Now, what's that got to do with an hour office time? Hmm? Section 131.41. And 131.42 of Handbook M41, City Delivery Carrier's Duties and Responsibilities. The USPS handbook that outlines the duties of a city letter carrier require you to tell the manager when you cannot carry all the mail distributed to your route in eight hours or within your normal schedule. What's that got to do with an hour office time? Once you have verbally informed management, the manager is required to tell you what he or she wants you to do. Follow the manager's instructions if you still believe that you will not be able to finish a route in eight hours. What's that got to do with an hour office time? Do you see what I'm saying? None of that has anything to do with the 3996. And this goes back to this person saying they're putting it on their ledge. Request PS form 3996. Now remember, we got two things here. The one at the hour office time of the 3996 and then this individual where they're putting it on the case, right? Already pre-filled. The next step is to request a PS Form 3996 from your manager. I didn't do that if you set it on my ledge. That's my work. That's a violation of Article 1. Article 413G of the National Agreement and Section 12233 of Handbook M39, Management of Delivery Services, require the manager to provide you with a PS Form 3996 when you request one. If it's sitting on my ledge, I didn't request that. That's my work. 
Handbook M39 is a guide for supervisors detailing their responsibilities when dealing with city letter carriers, but it often provides explanations to help city letter carriers. So both grievances, the hour office time, you're going to have all that contractual language in there. Uh, M41-131.41, M41-131.42, and 122.33 of the M39 handbook, okay? It tells me what, why and when I'm supposed to request overtime. Has nothing to do with an hour office time, okay? No matter what your manager says to you, say the words, I'm requesting a 3996 and explain the reasons for your request. In the hour office time, management's telling you to request it. That's a violation of these things. Management's telling you to request a 3996 and fill it up because you can't get out in an hour. <laughs> That's going to be such an easy win for you. It's, it's going to make their head spin. If your request to see your shop steward is denied, make sure that another carrier hears you say the words. Don't scream the words at the top of your lungs. Just make sure someone other than you and your manager hears you. You know why you got to do that? Because managers lying, cheating, stealing bastards. That's why. Always have to have somebody with us hearing it. Because managers are going to say what? I didn't hear it. Because they lie. They cheat. They steal. After you've verbally informed your manager that you don't believe you can finish your ride in eight hours, have made them aware that your instruction has not changed your belief and having requested and had been provided a PS form 3996, proceed to step three. Okay. Fill out the form completely. It is important that you fill out the form completely. In the reason for use of auxiliary box, You must write down why you believe that you cannot complete your assignment in eight hours. If your belief is related to your mail volume or type of mail you have, you should write comments that are specific and are not general as to why you are requesting overtime. So again, if you're putting the overtime on there when you give it to me, that's a violation of all these provisions and a violation of Article 1. Because that's my job. That's my work. It goes on. If you believe it's related to your mail volume or type of mail you have, you should write comments that are specific and not general as to why you're requesting overtime. Your reason also could be related to your street duties. Some examples, known road construction, weather-related issues, excessive accountable mail, etc. Comments like heavy volume or route overburden aren't sufficient for this section. Often there are other circumstances that might add to or be the reason why you will need overtime or auxiliary assistance on a given day. Always list the circumstances that will prevent you from finishing your assignment in eight hours on a PS Form 3996 as explained above. Statements by your supervisor such as, now listen to this now because some of y'all have sent me 3996 with this written on there, this thing I'm fixing to read to you. Statements by your supervisor such as, this is your demonstrated performance, or you are not making standards, are not legitimate, and do not change the situation. Never let these comments get under your skin and stop you from requesting the assistance you need. Remember, your job is to do do the best you can. How many of y'all have sent me 3996s with that? This is your demonstrated performance. How many of y'all sent me those? Tons. Tons. Okay? Talks about it right there. Sometimes managers will tell you that you don't need the requested overtime or auxiliary assistance because of what DOAS projects for your route. The national parties have agreed that computer-generated time projections are not the sole determinant of your daily workload. Nothing can replace the opinion of the professional letter carrier. 
So there's those things. And that talks about, you know, that will deal with your hour office time. Okay, filling out this thirty nine ninety six for that. And that will also deal with that individual that said that they're putting them on their ledge when they get there, they're filled out. Uh, go to formatearbitration.com. JB has filed this grievance, and the B-team decision is in there where we want it. It's a violation of Article 1 and those provisions of the M39 and M41 handbook, okay? Very easy wins on both of those things. All right? My God. Y'all still with me out there? Now we're fixing to get into, into the rural city. I'll just read part of that B-team decision for you that's going to be on the website, okay? Uh, going back to the 3996. The dispute resolution team has resolved this grievance. The DRT determines management will utilize PS Form 3996 for the sole purpose of recording overtime and or auxiliary assistance when requested by a letter carrier. That's also going to help you with your our office time without having you fill out the 3996, Okay. Uh, so when they're putting it on your ledge already filled out, this is going to help you. When they're telling you to fill it out for the hour office time, this is going to help you. Management will cease and desist annotating PS Form 3996 outside of the provisions of Section 280 of the M41 Handbook. Okay? And then it'll have uh, JB's contentions, uh, has uh, the contractual language, everything in there. Everything that you're going to need is in this B-team decision. Okay? The issue the remedy that they gave, and all your contractual provisions are in that B-team decision. And that's going to be on from 8arbitration.com, okay? That's going to help you with your hour office time where they're saying fill out a 3996. It's beyond me they even did that, but that's management. And then when they're putting those on your case ledge, okay? All right. Mercy. Let's get into the long part. <laughs> this this uh, rural city. Now, let me tell you this before we get started on this rural city. Very difficult grievance for us. Very difficult. You're going to file, and I'm not dissuading you from doing it. File the grievance. If you got one, file it. Okay? Please don't take this as me talking you out of it. I'm not. I'm just telling you the difficulty you're fixing to face doing it. All right? This is the ultimate black hole of nothingness is this grievance procedure for this. You're going to file this grievance and it's going to go into a black hole. However, with these new memos and the route adjustment process, we have got to start trying to fight for all the territory that we can. Okay? This is very confusing. And new shop stewards, I apologize more than I ever have. It's going to be confusing as hell. Please try to stay with me, okay? Uh, if you have any questions about ter new territory, contact your business agent and tell them, look, here's here's where our routes are. Here's where rule is. This is in the middle of nobody's close to it. I want that from my city carriers, uh, and maybe they can send somebody to help you with this. I'm telling you, it's complicated, but I'm going to do the best that I can for you, okay? So new shop stewards, hang in there with me, all right? I'm going to talk about it. But these grievances go to the black hole of nothingness, I'm telling you. All right. This will also be on from 8arbitration.com. Every bit of this I'm fixing to read. And it's a lot. Please hang in there with me. It's a bunch. 
But this is also going to be on from adarbitration.com. All of this stuff that I'm fixing to talk to you about, okay? Uh, your grievance, if you've got one, you're going to start in the postal operation manual, or the POOM, as we call it, postal operation manual. And you're going to go to uh, extensions at 642 of the POOM, 642, okay? And it's 642.1 definition. In this section, extension refers to the expansion of city delivery services to any areas not currently receiving delivery service. But, are, but that are within the delivery limits of a post office from which the city delivery service is already provided. Okay, I'm going to read that one more time for you. It's 642 of the POOM, Postal Operations Manual. 642 extensions, 642.1. In this section, extension refers to the expansion of of city delivery service to any areas not currently receiving delivery service, but that are within the delivery limits of a post office from which city delivery service is already provided. Do you have about a thousand unit apartment complex that just got built? Nobody's getting delivery there. You've got city delivery that's however long rural comes over here. It's in a wasteland. Right? It's in Death Valley right there. There's nothing there except that apartment complex. We're going to try to get that with that part of the POOM, okay? We're going to file a grievance on that. We want that territory, all right? Now, all this I'm fixing to read to you is going to break it down. It is extensive, like I say with a T. It's extensive, but hopefully it will help you. Uh, This is a very advanced grievance, very advanced. You don't see many. Uh, so th- that's why, and I'll try to, if I can find some sites for you, because there's hardly any out there. If I can find some sites for you, uh, I'll have Jeremy put those up and I'll talk to you about it next week when I start, when I introduce JB to come on. Uh, I'll tell you that there are sites that I found for it uh, because they're rare. All right. But I- I'll try to do that for you and that will help you. But it starts out, it's a, it's a long packet. It's got a lot of step fours in it. I'm going to read every one of them to you, okay? And, and hopefully this will help you, but it's got the language that you need. And it will tell you the difficulty that we have dealing with this issue, all right? Uh, and most of this is done by Lou Drass, my mentor. And it says, jurisdictional cases, city rural disputes. The National Rural Letter Carriers Association, NRLCA, recently took a case to a national-level arbitration that involves deliveries assigned to our craft. The case was heard on November 7th of 2014. I was hoping to be able to report on the outcome of the hearing, but as of this writing, the arbitrator who heard the case has not issued an award. I'm going to use my space this month to try to explain what the case was about. To do that, I'll have to go through the history of what has taken place over the last 11 years with respect to jurisdictional issues between the city and rural crafts. This started in May of 2004 when the NRLCA, USPS, and NALC agreed to form the City Rural Task Force, M-Document 1519. 
Now, I'm fixing to read a lot of M documents to you, okay? A lot. M document 1519. The three parties also agreed to guideline principles to address city rural issues. M1520. M1520. At the same time. Each party selected representatives who met on a full-time basis to discuss and resolve city rural jurisdictional cases based upon the principles established in M1520. The vast majority of the pending city rural cases were resolved in the first few years. The remaining cases from the older ones are those that are difficult to resolve. I can report that we have come close to agreement with NRLCA on many of the older pending cases since I came to headquarters in 2011, but nothing worth reporting has been finalized. So what about the new cases? The three parties agreed to a Memorandum of Understanding, MOU, that created a process for handling new city rural jurisdictional disputes, M1568. This MOU has, was signed on March 8th of 2006 and lasted one year, with a clause stating that any party, NRLCA, USPS, or NALC, could end the agreement with at least 30 days of notice to the other parties. The MOU was renewed for another year on March 23, 2007, M1606, M1606, with the same terms, and again on April 29, 2008, M1683. The difference in the last MOU is that it didn't have an expiration date, but included the 30-day exit clause language, which USPS eventually used. During the 2006-2008 period, the number of pending city rural disputes increased as new cases came in while few cases were resolved. In a separate development, the Great Recession hit the USPS in 2008. This caused mail volume to decrease significantly and created the need to adjust routes in many locations. The end result was that the NALC and USPS signed two new MOUs on October 22, 2008. The first MOU was called Assignment of City Delivery, M1694. Many activists refer to this as the New Deliveries MOU. The second MOU, 1695, <laughs> created our first national joint route adjustment process. That's 1695. We all know that USPS mistakenly assigned new deliveries to the rural craft on many occasions during the life of M1694. October 22, 2008 through January 10, 2013. In some situations, USPS recognized the error and corrected it. NRLCA reported the number of corrected errors to be around 15,000 deliveries at the national level arbitration hearing. As I understand it, the issue in this case that was heard on November 7, 2014 was raised by the NRLCA sometime in late 2010 or early 2011. The NRLCA made it clear at the hearing that they weren't saying we, NALC, didn't have a right to enter into the assignment of City Delivery MOU, M1694, with USPS. NRLCA took the position that the USPS didn't have the right to correct errors in the assignment of new deliveries without their agreement, and the original MOUs, M1519 and M1520, described above, support their position. 
NRLCA also asserted that NALC and USPS entered into improper agreements to reassign rural deliveries to our craft. USPS denied this claim at the hearing. NRLCA requested that around 15,000 city deliveries be assigned to the rural craft. USPS took the position that the arbitrator did not have jurisdiction to hear the case because NELC was not a party to picking the arbitrator. In other words, USPS makes the case that the NRLCA cannot have its cake and eat it too. I can report that as far as I know, NRLCA also filed local grievances whenever an error in assignment of new deliveries was corrected and assigned to city delivery. Those cases are either sitting in the city rural committee or resolved by NRLCA and the USPS with deliveries returned to the rural craft. This, of course, causes yet another grievance from us that ends up in the city rural committee. As you can see, all roads lead to the same place. This committee has been idle for many months because of this national case. We were really close to seeing some significant movement before the NRLCA decided to go forward with this national case. Regardless of how this national level case comes out, the real answer is for NRLCA and NELC to resolve our differences in the city rule committee. We could have done just that without this national case. We still can. NELC Director of City Delivery Brian Renfro just needs a couple of dancing partners and we can be on our way. So that's the first page, okay? And then the second page, he talks about uh, the decision, all right? He talks about the APW at the beginning, but then it says the second case, which was a contract interpretation case presented by the NL, the uh, National Rural Letter Carriers Association before National NR, NRLCA panel arbitrator Shyam Das. That name sounds familiar. He did our contract with that introduced CCAs. The issue in this case was, again, jurisdictional. It involved the NALC-USPS Memorandum of Understanding, MOU, Assignment of City Delivery, M1694, that was signed on October 22, 2008. The case was about some new territory the Postal Service assigned to our craft in accordance with our MOU that the rural carriers believe should have been assigned to them. We attended this hearing as observers, so we did not participate in this hearing either. Arbitrator Doss summed up the issues involved in this case as follows. The Postal Service agreed at arbitration that the following statement of the issue proposed by the NRLCA union is a fair characterization of the issues raised by the union in this Step 4 grievance filed on September 16, 2010. Whether the Postal Service violated the USPS-NRLCA national agreement, including Postal Service handbooks and manuals, and the USPS-NRLCA-NALC tripartite MOU and guidelines by converting our assigning deliveries pursuant to the 2008 USPS-NALC assignment of delivery MOU, the Postal Service insists, however, that as a national arbitrator under the NRLCA Postal Service Collective Bargaining Agreement, I lack jurisdiction to decide the merits of this grievance. In the end, Arbitrator Dias ruled as follows. For the foregoing reasons, I conclude that I lack authority as a national arbitrator under the USPS-NRLCA national agreement to issue a decision resolving the issues submitted in this Step 4 NRLC grievance. 
and to order the remedies requested by the NRLCA. Accordingly, the grievance is dismissed. Thus, a barrier that has prevented us from moving forward has been removed. We will go on from here and continue to pursue resolutions to our differences with the rural carriers and the Postal Service. And that was written in 2015. The next page. And it talks about uh, we currently have six cases pending national arbitration. He has the second bullet point here is the USPS brought this case to the national level. This case arose when collection boxes were converted from city delivery to rural delivery. The Postal Service framed the interpretive issue as whether a jurisdictional dispute initiated by an ELC that concerns work assigned or being assigned to rural letter carriers may be appealed to arbitration pursuant to Article 15.4 of the USPS NELC Collective Bargaining Agreement. And so that's another one we're talking about disputes, okay? Then we're going to get into some step fours. This is an M document 122, and this is dated 1985. So M document 122. And again, this entire packet is going to be on from aidarbitration.com. So you can get it and look at it yourself, but I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, I've told you what we're going to file under that part of the POOM. But all of this here will, will give you a history and will help you out a little bit as far as the difficulty and where we're going with it, okay? So M122, it says, Dear Mr. Johnson, on July 9th of 1985, we met to discuss the above-captioned grievance at the fourth step of our contractual grievance procedure. The issue in this grievance is whether management properly converted city delivery territory to rural delivery. After reviewing this matter, we mutually agreed that no national interpretive issue is fairly presented in this case. We further agreed whether the conversion of city delivery territory to rural territory was proper. can only be determined by application of subchapters 610 and 630 of the POOM. 610 and 630 of the POOM. So look that up. Postal Operations Manager. I think I read those here in just a second. To the specific fact circumstances involved in this case. Accordingly, we agreed to remand this case to the parties at Step 3 for further processing, including arbitration if necessary. And here's M32, 1975, M32, to Regional Director's Office of Labor Relations. On November 12, 1974, I wrote to you concerning questions which had arisen as a result of the arbitration award in NC4120, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That award was limited to the facts in that case, but there have been and continue to be instances in which work is transferred from city delivery service to rural service, which are the subject of outstanding NLC grievances. In an attempt to resolve the basic questions posed by all these cases, Jim Rademacher, NLC president, and if y'all went to the convention, y'all remember him, and I met yesterday with Sylvester Garrett, the arbitrator in NC4120, after we discussed all aspects of the problem and after a thorough analysis of the award in NC4120, a basic premise emerged to the effect that no significant amount of work that has traditionally been performed by city letter carriers may be transferred to rural carriers absent a material change in the nature of the work except through the provisions of Article 7, Section 2A, this same theory, of course, formed the basis for Garrett's decision in the recent West Coast clerk mail handler arbitration. 
The obligations under Article 7, 2A, are somewhat different in the 1971 and 1973 agreements. But each agreement requires certain specific steps to be taken before a combination job may be created and therefore before work may be transferred from city carriers to rural carriers. In none of the outstanding cases was there any attempt to follow these steps properly. Service improvements of efficiency or cost are under the agreement, not legitimate factors for consideration in making determinations of this nature. And this is old, so it's hard to read down here at the bottom. But if you're having rule, having city taken away from you and given to rule, this is going to help you as well because it talks about the provisions of things that need to happen if management is taking city and giving it to rule. Always fight that. We cannot afford to lose one delivery, not with these memos. We can't afford to lose one delivery to rural carriers. It goes on. It is impossible to spell out what, with any degree of specificity, the definitions of such words as significant, traditionally, and material. Suffice it to say that good judgment should be used, and each case must be handled individually on its own merits in accordance with the general principles set forth in the second paragraph. A list of outstanding cases for your region, if any, is attached. Please take the necessary action to dispose of these cases in accordance with this memorandum. We have several cases in which a substantial number of stops, which had traditionally been performed by city carriers, were transferred to rural carriers. These actions, it is now evident, were improper and steps should be taken as soon as practicable, to transfer these stops involved back to city delivery. No back pay obligation whatsoever is involved. There are several cases in which trailer courts have been formally delivered as one stop by a city carrier, and when delivery was extended to individual trailers, the work was given to rural carrier. The work involved in such cases was essentially new work, never performed in the past by city carriers, and thus, If management's determination to use a rural carrier was operationally reasonable, it may remain in effect and no changes are now required. In such case, the one-stop loss by the city carrier is not considered significant. Y'all get that? Talking about significant? Y'all get that? Saying that 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 amount of work that the rural carriers took that I'm going to say we should have had, if we're going and delivering a trailer park as one unit, and they, they build something else, and they give it to rule right beside that, I'm going to say we should get that work. But they're saying that, no, rural carriers can have it because it wasn't a significant amount of delivery. I don't like that. But anyway, the application of the general principles set forth in the second paragraph must be carefully observed in assessing problems raised in the future by overlapping delivery areas. An important principle to keep in mind in this connection is that there is not necessary any correlation between municipal boundaries and city delivery service boundaries. More specifically, just because certain stops are inside a city boundary, there are not, per se, the appropriate work of city carriers. And that's where I have a problem. If I've got my station is all city, and in the middle of that there's some new stops, and rural says, hey, we want that. This right here says, just because certain stops are inside a city boundary, they are not per se the appropriate work of city carriers. Although the agreement does not specifically address the subject, I believe that if changes from city to rural 
Service appear operationally advisable, for example, to square off boundaries for scheme simplification purposes. Such changes may be accomplished through exchanges of territory provided. There is no significant, this is blurred out, net transfer of stops from city carriers to rural carriers and also provided that both the NALC and NRLC locals agree to the changes. That's all blurred out. May not have said that right. Finally, I must reemphasize that neither the award in NC2120 nor my discussions with Messrs. Garrett and Rademacher yesterday involved the conversion of territory from rural to city service, and thus USPS policy remains undisturbed on that subject. And that's David Charters, Director of Office Grievance. Next, we've got M613. Told y'all I'm fixing to read a bunch of M documents, but they're all in this packet. M613. Subject, rural carrier items. In addition to the recent rural carrier settlement, and this is dated 1973, so we're going backwards. As set forth in Article 42 of the, Nas- of the 1973 National Agreement, the following understandings were reached. Please take the necessary action to inform all district and sectional center, center managers of these items so as to ensure compliance with USPS policy. As a general rule, conversions from rural to city delivery shall be considered only to, let me read that again, as a general rule, conversions from rural to city delivery shall be considered only to provide relief for overburdened rural routes when all other alternatives are impractical, establish clear-cut boundaries between rural and city delivery territory, and eliminate overlapping and commingling of service. Provide adequate service to highly industrial areas or apartment houses complexes on rural routes. Areas considered for conversion must meet all the basic requirements for an extension of city delivery and must be contingent to existing city delivery service. However, the fact that a given area is fully developed and adjacent to city delivery does not of itself constitute sufficient justification for conversion. Post offices must ensure that the maximum practical privacy and security is afforded rural carrier salary checks. Such checks are not to be left on rural carrier cases when the carrier is out of the office. At offices designated for cost ascertainment surveys, counting of mail shall be done in accordance with the provisions of the M35 handbook. And then you've got, uh, you continue on with 613, and it's got some underlined stuff for you, so I don't have to read all that. But the underlined section is, sentence has been established that cost of rural service is generally less than the city carrier service, and rural carriers provide special services, generally make extensions of service on rural rather than city routes where feasible. And all that's saying is they've got evaluated routes as cheaper labor. Is basically all that's saying. We have overtime, penalty time. Uh, rules have evaluated routes, so it's cheaper to give it to rule than it is to city, and that's an obstacle we're, we're going to have to overcome. And they provide special services. They sell stamps uh, with them and, and do things of that nature. And here's another M613. We're continuing on with M613. The following supplements and updates instructions issued in February 1966 regarding relief for overburdened rural routes. And again, we're going back to we can take their territory if they have overburdened routes. Definition of rural route is considered overburdened. The evaluated weekly time exceeds 58 hours as hours over 58 are not compensated by carrier salary 
or carrier salary plus relief time. Where the actual carrier time used is well below 58 hours, then the route need not be afforded immediate relief. For example, a route evaluates at 60 hours out of the actual time used only as 50 hours. The 48K classification of this route adequately compensates the carrier for the actual hours worked, and this route need not receive priority in being afforded relief. I told y'all this is going to be confusing. We're talking about rural carriers. They, they go by 48K, things like that, talks about you know, what their route is evaluated at. Both my parents were retired rural carriers, so uh, when we talk about that, that's designated. My day off is a different, like if I have a Saturday, it's designated by a different letter and things of that nature. In smaller offices where late mail receipts and or Closing dispatches restrict the workday. It may be necessary to afford a route relief when the evaluation is under 58 hours. In rapidly growing areas, relief should be afforded routes to prevent them from becoming overburdened. In providing relief to one or more overburdened routes in an office, it may be necessary to adjust other routes which are not overburdened. And then this next stuff is it, I can't. It's so old I can't read it. Then we're going to M16 or M627. This is conversions from rural to city delivery. This is 1976, kind of the same stuff. During negotiations re- relative to the 1973 National Agreement, and all these are so old it's difficult to read, and you know how I am about that. Management agreed to issue a statement covering the general practice involving conversions from rural to city delivery. That statement was issued in a memo by the director of delivery services department dated september 17 1973 this statement was reaffirmed by management during the 1975 negotiations and as agreed is reissued as follows as a general rule conversions from rural to city delivery shall be considered only to provide relief for overburdened rural routes when all other alternatives are impractical so that's going identical to 613 Establish clear-cut boundaries between rural and city delivery territory and eliminate overlapping and commingling of service. Provide adequate service to highly industrial areas or apartment houses complexes on rural routes. Areas considered for conversion must meet all the basic requirements for an extension of city delivery and must be contingent to the existing city delivery service. However, the fact that a given area is fully developed and adjacent to city delivery does not of itself constitute sufficient justification for a conversion. And that's 627. And this M document is cut off the top. It looks like 636. It's all national officers. This is National Association of Letter Carriers, dated 1978. Subject, new USPS memorandum regarding conversion of rural to city delivery. Dear colleagues, enclosed is a copy of memorandum to all regional PMGs from E.V. Dorsey, Senior Assistant Postmaster General Operations Group, USPS, concerning the criteria that will be used under the 1978 National Agreement with the rural letter carriers for conversion of rural territory to city delivery. That memorandum is similar to previous ones issued in 1973 and 1976 regarding that subject, with one notable exception. That exception is item number four on the first page of that memorandum, which provides that conversions will be made from rural to city delivery service where such will be more cost-effective 
As noted, regional review is required when cost is the basis for such conversion. Hopefully, that new cost criteria will result in more conversions of rural to city territory in the future. And that's why I say, look, to help you out, if you've got new territory coming up, uh, I would contact my business agent and I would get them involved. They're going to know how to address this. Uh, but these, this here is going to tell you the difficulty we have, what the criteria is. I told you about the PUM. That's going to be your issue statement. Uh, we're going to try to get new deliveries. This here is talking about if, if rural routes are overburdened. They have their counts. Uh, and uh, rural carriers are not going to be willing to give us their territory. You know, you're not going to have their shops to come over and say, hey, look here. This Route 43 over here on our side, it's well over 58 hours a week. You know, y'all need to talk about getting that. Then that's not going to happen. So <laughs> let's talk to our business agents about it. Now, here's M636 uh, conversions from rural to city delivery. And it's going to be the same thing that I've been reading to you. During negotiation, this is 1970. I can't read that either. It's so old. Let me see if it's signed back here. Nope. 76, maybe? 78? I can't read that. Here, 1978. Uh, during negotiations relative to both the 1973 and 1975 national agreements, management agreed to issue a statement covering the general practice involving conversions from rural to city delivery. Accordingly, a statement with, was issued in memos dated 1973 and 76, respectively. That statement but with an addition, was reaffirmed by management during the 1978 negotiations and, as agreed, is issued as follows. As a general rule, conversions from rural to city delivery shall be considered only to, and it's the same stuff I've been reading, provide relief for overburdened rural routes when all other alternatives are impractical, establish clear-cut boundaries between rural and city delivery territory, and eliminate overlapping and commingling of service, that's probably where we're going to get them right there, okay? Provide adequate service to highly industrial areas or apartment house complexes on rural routes. Provide service to areas where city delivery service will be more cost effective. Regional review is required when cost is the basis for conversion. Uh, and, and let me tell you, I told y'all I had a, an arbitration once that my business agent at the time, Pete Moss, called me out and said, hey, go in there and cancel the date, and uh, all these cases are going to national. And this was a city rural dispute arbitration that I was in. And what this was, was you had a city carrier that was delivering all of this territory, okay? And they built a new subdivision that came off this road. It was one way in, one way out. So a new subdivision off of her route, it was on her route, off of one of her roads. They built the road. It's a little cul-de-sac-ish type thing. And they had a mail room. That's where everybody was going to get their mail. They did not have mailboxes. They had a mail room. And so what this carrier was doing was the city carrier, it's on her route. She's delivering her mail. She goes up into this cul-de-sac. She's delivering this mail room. She goes there one day, rules in there delivering her stuff, talking with management. She's like, what are you doing? When This is my territory now. 
So management gave the rural carriers that mailroom. Okay. It was a new uh, delivery. It was offer route. They gave that mailroom to the rural carriers. All right. And that's what this hearing was about. We're saying, hey, that's our delivery. Obviously, it's on her route. And so that was what we were going there to do. It's gone into the black hole. It's gone into the black hole of these things. So I don't know what the outcome of that was. So now we have 1483. This is from 2003. So we're jumping up about 30 years now. Uh, 1483, and this is one of the ones that Lou was talking about. City versus rural delivery. The parties recognize that there are a number of disputes pending at various steps of the grievance procedures regarding city versus rural delivery. Recently, the parties resolved case there at the national level. That case dealt with the conversion of deliveries previously served by city letter carriers to rural delivery. In an effort to resolve these and other work jurisdiction disputes between city and rural delivery, the parties have agreed to establish guidelines based on agreed-upon principles. The parties also agreed to establish a process to apply these guidelines to resolve the backlog of city rural grievances and to significantly reduce, if not eliminate, future jurisdictional disputes regarding city rural delivery. The national parties will convene within 60 days to establish guidelines in a process to facilitate resolution of outstanding grievances. A report will be issued no later than six months from the date of this memorandum is signed. The task force will be comprised of two members from the NALC, two members from the NARLC, and two members from the Postal Service. The task force will report to the NALC president, NRLCA president, and the Postal Service vice president, labor relations, or designees. This agreement is made without precedent or prejudice to any party's position and may not be cited by any party in any form except for the enforcement of this memorandum. Now we got 1484. Uh, it says, Dear Messrs. Young and Baffa, pursuant to the arbitration award and national level case number there, jurisdictional dispute remedy phase, the parties have resolved all outstanding issues resulting from that decision as follows. The carry territory and deliveries of this settlement are bordered by U.S. Highway 64, inclusive to the north, Cary Parkway, inclusive to the west and south, the Holly Springs Road, Jones-Franklin Road, I-40, inclusive to the east. Within these boundaries, the parties agree that the area that is both east of Cary Parkway, east side of Cary Parkway, inclusive, and north of Tryon Road, north side of Tryon Road, inclusive, will be assigned to city letter carriers and that area that is south of Tryon Road, south side of Tryon Road inclusive, and east of north of Cary Parkway inclusive, and west of Holly Springs Road, non-inclusive, will be assigned to rural carriers. As a result of this settlement, effective August 9, 2003, all rural deliveries that are south of Highway 64 inclusive, east of Cary Parkway, east side of Cary Parkway inclusive, and north of Tryon Road, North side of Tryon Road inclusive will be converted to city delivery, approximately 1,100 deliveries. And all city deliveries that are south of Tryon Road, east and north of Cary Parkway, and west of Holly Springs Road, non inclusive, will be converted to rural delivery, approximately 50 deliveries. The parties further agree that these territorial boundaries 
and the conversion of these deliveries also resolve all other currently outstanding grievances filed by the NALC or NRLCA regarding city rural jurisdictional issues in Cary, North Carolina. And that's 1484. M1519, City Rule Process Agreement. This is from 2003. The task force members will establish committee to review all outstanding city rule cases. The task force will determine the number of committees needed. Each committee will be comprised of one representative each from USPS, NALC, and NRLCA. The task force will determine which cases are sent to each committee. Each committee will be expected to resolve the assigned cases consistent with the attached guideline principles. The committee are authorized to obtain additional information from the local office, if necessary, for the complete development of a file. Decisions of the committee are final and binding on all parties and will be forwarded to the task force members for processing at the national level. If necessary, the task force will establish a process to address unresolved issues including tripartite arbitration for any interpretive issues. Committee members will serve on a no-loss, no-gain basis. Travel expenses associated with the committee work will be responsibility of the respective parties. The Postal Service provide all resources necessary, office space, phones, fax, copiers, furniture, computers, internet, office supplies, etc., for the committee members to carry out their mission. All right, we're still going. Y'all hanging in there with me? <laughs> we're still going on this thing. Two hour, two and a half hours, baby. We're, we're going now. And here's, some, here's finally, we're getting into some stuff that's going to help y'all with your grievances. Okay? All that stuff will be in your packet. All that stuff that I just read to you, every bit of that will be in your packet. And you can get that off of from eight arbitration. But here's some language that's going to start helping you with your grievances. Okay? I'm probably going to just skip to this, but I've been holding off on so long. Why not make a two-hour episode three? Guideline principles to address city rule issues. This is M1520, and this is a long one. Claims that rural delivery should be converted to city delivery because it has characteristics of city carrier work. Arbitrator Menthol and Zuma stated in pertinent part in the case there on pages 50 through 53. Under the PUM regulations, management may consider conversion from rural to city delivery when any of the matters set forth in section 611.321 are present. Such considerations, now that's of the PUM now, 611.321, that's the PUM. Such considerations may well be prompted, for instance, by a rural route with highly industrialized areas or a rural route with apartment house complexes. Nowhere does the PUM state that what the outcome of that consideration should be. The plain implication is that management is free to make whatever decision it wishes. It may choose to convert from rural to city delivery. It may choose not to. Nothing in the PUM requires management to convert. A careful reading of the PUM clearly shows that management is to have a large measure of discretion on this subject. And that's the reason it's so tough on us, baby. More importantly, 611.322 anticipated the very problem that arose in this case. It states that the fact that a given area is fully developed and adjacent to city delivery does not, of itself, constitute sufficient justification for conversion. Once a rural area is fully developed, it will ordinarily resemble suburbia. For the rural carriers in such an area that will mean uh, shorter routes, 
more dismounts, and more deliveries to office and apartment buildings. This is exactly what has happened over the years in Oakton, Vienna. These conditions, however, do not demand conversion from rural to city delivery. Management may choose to effect a conversion if it wishes. The point is that the established practice in Oakton, Vienna has been to assign the work on the disputed routes to rural carriers, and it is that practice which should prevail in this case. The evolution of rural carrier work in this area has been so gradual over so many years that we cannot find on the record before us that the established practice no longer has persuasive force. Therefore, the parties agree that pursuant to the above National Arbitration Award, the fact that work done by rural carriers has gradually evolved into all the characteristics of city carrier work does not require management to transfer the work to city carriers. The provisions of the PUM 611.321 cited in the award are not found in PUM 654.21. That's the reason it's so tough, folks. You know, everybody's against us, really. And this management's discretion, two national arbitrators right there said it's management's discretion. It's tough. Two, claims that established rural delivery was improperly converted to city delivery. As the case cited above, Menthalazumas, management may consider conversion from rural to city delivery when any of the matters set forth in the POOM section 611.321 are present, and management has a large measure of discretion on this subject. These provisions are now found in POOM section 654.21 as follows. The fact that a given area is fully developed and or adjacent to city delivery service does not of itself constitute sufficient justification for conversion. As a general rule, conversions from rural to city delivery shall be considered only for the following reasons. And here we go again. To provide relief for overburdened rural routes when all other alternatives are impractical. To establish clear-cut boundaries between rural and city delivery territory. And eliminate overlapping and commingling of service to provide adequate service to highly industrial areas or apartment house complexes on the rural routes, to provide service to areas where city delivery service will be more cost-effective. Note, an area of view is required when cost is the basis for conversion. And that's why I'm talking, get your business agent involved if you've got new territory that you're challenging, okay? The POOM section 654.22 states, Areas considered for conversion from rural delivery service to city delivery service must meet all the requirements for extension of city delivery service, C-642, be contingent to existing city delivery service. Section 654.23 provides other guidelines when considering conversion of rural delivery service. Therefore, the parties agree that established rural delivery may be converted to city delivery pursuant to the appropriate provisions of the POOM. Are y'all confused yet? Huh? Did I tell y'all that this is going to be extremely confusing? And it's, you know, and it's a headache. You know, we're fighting the rural carriers and management and the service. That's what we're doing. But is it not worth the fight? You know, if I can get one apartment complex, if I can get a street of deliveries, to me, it is worth the fight. You know, we're going to file the grievance, get the documentation that we need, contact our business agent. They're going to tell us what else we need, you know, and let's fight for that territory, you know, especially with these memos coming down. Let's get everything that we can. 
Number three, claims that established city delivery is improperly converted to rural delivery. In the case there, arbitrator Nolan held that the Postal Service may not unilaterally shift a sizable number of deliveries from city delivery service to rural delivery service. Further, he held that some minor adjustments are too small to rise to the level of a contract breach such as moving a few deliveries or some legitimate operational reason without having a significant impact on the number of jobs or amount of income available to members or the losing craft. He stated, wherever the exact line between a few and a sizable number of deliveries might fall, the 136 converted deliveries and carry amount to more than a few. The relevant number of the purpose of this classification is the total number of deliveries converted from one craft to another, not the net figure. Additionally, arbitrator Nolan referenced two exceptions where work has changed to such an extent that the established practice can no longer be said to have persuasive force or where conversion is made to satisfy the provisions of Article 7.28. The parties agree that arbitrator Nolan's reference to conversions pursuant to either Article 7.2a or to a change in the nature of work is currently not applicable. Nevertheless, should collective bargaining agreements and or duties or city or rural carriers change in the future, Arbitrator Nolan's award may be cited to support conversions consistent with his analysis. Therefore, the parties agree that beyond the few deliveries as described above, the Postal Service may not convert deliveries from city delivery service to rural delivery service absent agreement with the NELC. This is applicable even where territory is annexed to a different municipality and the corresponding deliveries are transferred to the neighboring post office. 4. Other jurisdictional boundaries claims including assignment of new deliveries. The parties agree that the following factors should be considered and applied when relevant to resolve jurisdictional boundary disputes including the assignment of new deliveries. Is there a boundary agreement that has been agreed to by all three parties? And, and this is a big one here because I got a station out of my installation. You go down this one road and there's probably 10 huge new apartment complexes. You cut off of this road and it starts rural delivery. So all of these huge apartment complexes are on this city delivery. He goes at the time, just kept going and he'd pick up delivery later. Over here on this side road is rural delivery. So all those 10 apartment complexes are going to be in, we're going to be in a fight. So this is, this is going to be where it's talking about. Is there a boundary agreement that has been agreed to by all three parties? We got to figure that out. Are there co-commingling and or squaring off issues? Does the situation involve growth? Are delivery assignments consistent with PUM regulations? However, the parties at this time are unable to reach complete agreement on other jurisdictional boundary claims, including assignment of new deliveries. In the case there, Arbitrator Menthol and Zumas accepted Arbitrator Garrett's concept in case uh, NC4120 that held that jurisdiction of a craft can only be found in established practice in each given post office and assigning work to one or the other of the craft bargaining units. Arbitrators Menthol and Zumas further stated that they accept this concept because given the maturity and characterizes the collective bargaining relationship of these parties, the customary way of doing things is the most realistic guide to jurisdiction. The parties are not in agreement regarding application of this site to the assignment of new deliveries. 
While the parties are not in agreement regarding application of these sites to the assignment of new deliveries, the parties do agree that this does not proceed, preclude resolution of new delivery disputes involving these two issues on a case-by-case basis. M1568. And we still got a ways to go, y'all. We still got a ways to go. M1568. In an effort to facilitate the processing of future city rule disputes, the parties agree that new disputes involving the assignment or conversion of city or rural deliveries will be handled in the following manner. If a grievance concerning the assignment or conversion of the city and or rural deliveries is filed, the representatives at the initial step will complete the joint grievance form and document the file. If the parties propose to settle the grievance at Step 1 or Step 2, USPS-NRCA agreement, or Step A, USPS-NELC agreement, in a manner which will result in the reassignment of deliveries or the assignment of future deliveries, such settlement will require agreement by authorized representatives of the NELC, the NRLCA, and the Postal Service. If the grievance is not settled, an appeal to Step B, USPS-NELC, or Step 3, USPS-NRLCA, the representatives at that step will ensure that the grievance file is properly developed and documented, prepare a written joint recommendation regarding their proposed adjudication of the grievance, i.e. resolve, withdraw, impasse, and the reasoning for their respective positions. These proposed recommendations will not be cited in the case at issue or any other case should the grievance proceed to arbitration. For the joint grievance file and supporting documentation with color-coded maps, along with written recommendation to the appropriate union and management offices below for review and adjudication by the National City Rural Committee. M1606. <laughs> Y'all are probably thinking to hell with a grievance, ain't you? Don't be like that, man. It's a lot of stuff here, but it's just because I'm reading. But you won't have to read all this. You can just put it all in the file and file your grievance. I'm reading it for you. M1606, Renewed City versus Rural Delivery MOU. In an effort to continue to facilitate the processing of future city rural disputes, the parties agreed to renew the March 8, 2006 City versus uh, Delivery MOU that requires new disputes involving the assignment or conversion of city or rural deliveries to be handled in the following manner. And it's the exact same language that I just read. Do you remember when I was talking to you about Lou's thing where he was saying, uh, that we made this memo, it expired in a year, and we wrote another memo, and then we wrote another memo, thus these memos, okay? It's 1568, this is 1606, it's the exact same language as 1508. M1694, assignment of city delivery. The parties agree to the following regarding assignment of city delivery. The Memorandum of Understanding regarding subcontracting dated September 11, 2007 continues in full force and effect. The six-month moratorium referenced in September 11, 2007 Memorandum of Understanding regarding Article 32 Committee is continued for the remainder of the term of the 2006 National Agreement. In city-only delivery offices with highway contract delivery, all new growth will be assigned to the city carrier craft except for end growth on existing highway contract delivery routes. Disputes over whether an existing contract route is CDS or highway contract will be resolved by the Article 32 Committee, established pursuant to the September 11, 2007 memo. 
In offices for both city and rural delivery, new deliveries will be assigned in keeping with the following. Growth will be assigned in accordance with boundaries that have been established by agreement at the Postal Service, National Association of Letter Carriers, and National Rural Letter Carriers Association. Absent such agreement, the city letter carrier craft will be assigned all new growth, i.e. new deliveries that are not in growth on an existing route assigned to another form of delivery subject to the following. The Postal Service may assign new growth to another form of delivery only if assigning the work to the city letter carrier craft would result in inefficiencies. In such case, the appropriate NALC national business agent must be provided notice. Be vigilant, y'all. If the union disagrees with such assignment, the national business agent may directly refer the matter to a national-level task force. This task force will consist of two members appointed by the Postal Service, Vice President of Labor Relations, and two members appointed by the President of the NLC. The task force will promptly determine whether assignment of such deliveries to the city letter carrier craft result in inefficiencies. The parties recognize and agree that this agreement does not alter or amend the terms of the September 11, 2007 Memorandum of Understanding regarding subcontracting MOU issues and that the provisions of the MOU apply to this agreement. As such, the duration of this agreement is limited to the remainder of the contract term in accordance with the provisions of that MOU. Uh, and here's something I would do. If you have a lot of new territory being built and you're a station that has uh, rural delivery. If you have a lot of territory being built, I would ask my supervisor or postmaster who's getting that territory. I'd say, hey, we got 10 apartment complexes going on. It's right there. We're over here and rules over there. Who are y'all giving that to? If they say that they're going to give that to rule, I would notify my business agent and tell them that we have this many stops coming in and the Postal Service they said they're going to give that to rule. We need to fight for it. Okay? Just give them a heads up. M1840. M1840 says, Dear Fred, recently our representatives met in pre-arbitration discussions on the above-captioned case. After reviewing this matter, we mutually agreed to resolve this case based on the following understanding. While we agree that Step B resolutions must normally be complied with, the parties recognize that there are limited circumstances where a Step B settlement may be invalid, e.g. where a Step B resolution is based on fraud, misrepresentation, intentional concealment of facts, or mutual misunderstanding. Where the parties have a dispute as to whether a Step B settlement is invalid, the issue is suitable for regular arbitration. However, before the case may be scheduled for regular arbitration, the issue must be reviewed by the national-level parties. If an arbitration hearing is subsequently held, the sole issue before the arbitrator will be whether the settlement is valid. In the event an arbitrator invalidates a Step B decision, the original dispute will be returned to Step B for determination on the merits unless the parties at the regional area level agree otherwise. Please sign and return the enclosed copy of this decision as acknowledged of your agreement to resolve this case and remove it from the arbitration docket. And I'll tell you, uh, this got JB and me in an uproar uh, on this here where it talks about that. That's M1840, where it talks about a Step B decision uh, that they're saying is invalid, right? And and it gives you that criteria, uh, fraud, misrepresentation, intentional concealment of facts, or mutual misunderstanding. Uh, 
he had a an opt-in grievance, and it was different. It was a different kind of situation. But he filed a grievance on it, and he wanted it the B team, okay? And it came back around the very same issue. And uh, so he files it again. It's going to go to arbitration. Uh, not the determine whether the B team decision was proper or not, because labor comes in later and says, hey, this B-team decision is improper. Uh, so, you know, we're challenging this B-team decision. We're saying that it's improper. We go for it. We withdraw the case <laughs> saying, well, it's improper. Hang on just a second. <laughs> that's not how you do it. That That's not how you do that. Because to me, the, the B-team decision was proper. There was no misunderstanding of the situation. Our B-team members saying, there's no misunderstanding here. You just don't like the decision now. The decision was proper. You just don't like it. Uh, and so management, knowing that they were having all kind of opting issues here, they were losing their ass and money. So this one was a little different situation. So knowing that, they just labor just writes a thing, puts it in the case while saying, hey, that decision's wrong. And we said, oh, okay, sorry. So we would draw the damn grievance. JB was mad as a hornet, boy. That's what I'm talking about, man. Fight for us. You know, I want to fight. I'm ready for this case. I'm going in there. I'm saying, look, this B team is, is made by two sound individuals. That decision was made by two sound individuals, contractually sound. You know, we're going to win that case. I, I want to fight all the time. And so when they did that, I'm like, damn it, give, give us a chance to fight. You know, because if it's not right, if the arbitrator rules against us, okay, they're doing it anyway. I didn't lose nothing. Well, they'll use that site. Okay, there's 8,000 sites out there. You know, don't feed me some horse shit because you're too cowardly to go forward with a damn case. Give us a fighting chance, man. Damn it. Anyway, that's off topic. Get, let's get back to Rural City. A98. Almost done, y'all. Wake up out there. Wake up, damn it. I've been reading for five hours now. City versus rural delivery. The parties recognize that there are a number of disputes pending at various steps of the grievance procedures regarding city versus rural delivery. Recently, the parties resolved case there at the national level. The case dealt with the conversion of deliveries previously served by city letter carriers to rural delivery. In an effort to resolve these and other work jurisdiction disputes between city and rural delivery, the parties have agreed to establish guidelines based on agreed-upon principles. The parties also agreed to establish a process to apply these guidelines to resolve the backlog of city rural grievances and to significantly reduce, if not eliminate, future jurisdictional disputes regarding city rural delivery. The national parties will convene within 60 days to establish guidelines and a process to facilitate resolution of outstanding grievances. A report will be issued no later than six months from the date of this memorandum is signed. The task force will be comprised of two members from the NELC, two members from the NRLCA, and two members from the Postal Service. The task force will report to the NELC president, NRLC president, and the Postal Service vice president, labor relations, or designee. And here's another one. It doesn't have anything on it, but it'll go in your case file anyway. And then we go to A101. A, uh, 
A101, Renewed City versus Rural Delivery Memorandum of Understanding, in an effort to facilitate the processing of future city rural disputes, the parties agreed to renew the March 23, 2007 City versus Rural Delivery MOU that requires new disputes involving the assignment or conversion of city rural deliveries to be handled in the following manner. If a grievance concerning the assignment or conversion of city and or rural deliveries is filed, the representatives at the initial step, and I just read this one earlier, but this is A101. It's not an M document, it's A101. The the parties propose to settle the grievance at step one or step two, United States Postal Service International Rural Letter Carriers Association, USPS NRLC agreement, or step A, United States Postal Service, NALC agreement in a manner which would result in the reassignment of deliveries or the assignment of future deliveries. Such settlement will require agreement by authorized representatives of the NALC the NRLCA, and the Postal Service. If the grievance is not settled and appealed to Step B or Step 3, the representative at that step will ensure that the grievance file is properly developed and documented, prepare a written joint recommendation regarding their proposed adjudication of the grievance, i.e. resolve, withdraw, impasse, and the reasoning for their respective positions. These proposed recommendations will not be cited in the case at issue or any other case should the grievance proceed to arbitration. Three, four, the joint grievance file and supporting documentation with color-coded maps along with written recommendation to the appropriate union and management offices below for review and adjudication by the National City Rural Committee. And then the last one is the exact same thing as what I just read. So there you have it. There's the city rural dispute. Like I told you, extremely burdensome. New shop stewards, if you just listen to that, I apologize. But you see the the issues that we have, okay? Uh, National level arbitrators are against us. Management will obviously give that work to cheaper labor, the the rural carriers. Uh, It's difficult for us, and it goes into a black hole, I'm telling you. Uh, it may never see the light of the day, but please do not give up on that if you have something coming up in your territory or in your station. If you have new delivery, like I said, if you have new delivery, if a carrier comes in and is like, man, they're building two huge buildings on my route, uh, ask management where that territory is going. If they say rule, give your business agent a heads up on that, okay? We need every stop, every stop. Uh, with these new memos uh, and stuff, uh, sounds like they're doing pretty good, though, as far as adding routes. I've not heard anybody say that they've taken routes out. Uh, but, you know, we're dealing with the shit that comes with it. Like I said, we're dealing with all those things, the, the headaches that are coming with it, because I said, you know, the mayhem, when you shake the hand of the devil, that's what you get. Uh, but I'm not going to get back into that. So there's your city rule. Uh, burdensome. Burdensome. Uh, hopefully I've helped you with that. You may never deal with it, but if you do, there's your episode. That packet is all you'll need. Contact your business agent, like I said, if they give, if you have uh, territory being built out there around your station, okay? A lot of reading. Again, I hate that. Apologize. It's three hours, y'all. Three hours. I've been talking <laughs> and reading. Sweet Lord. Hey, earlier I went off. I don't regret it. 
Okay? Normally I apologize for rants. I don't. I don't regret it. Okay? Uh, my friends stabbed me in the back and looked me in the face and did that. Okay? All because I'm trying to help my people. That's it. And somebody's butt hurt up above that because uh, they want to do this. They want their hands on it. They want their thumb on me. Uh, you know, you can kiss it with a good Lord explicit is what I say. You will not put your thumb on me. I'm going to educate my people. Uh, I guarantee you that. <laughs> We're going to be an educated workforce. All right. Stewards. Uh, city carriers, formal A's, we're going to be an educated workforce, all right? If if our agent is upset at that, what in the fuck? What the hell is wrong with you? You should be thankful that we're educating our workforce, but you're bitter because your feelings are hurt, because you tried something and it failed miserably. Like my grandmammy always said, you fall down, pick yourself back up. If you fall down seven times, pick yourself back up eight. Right? It failed on you initially. Don't be mad at me. Start a new one. You know? You're that car dealer. You're the car mechanic. Your hands are manicured, baby. Your hands are manicured. Maybe that's the reason you didn't come across like you wanted to, whoever it was. I, I do believe that we should get more and more and more podcasts. I'm, I'm begging Kareff to do one up there in Region 3. He's got some very educated individuals. I talked to some on Posk and Callaway. You know, those uh, individuals up there, they could easily do one of these. I wish there was a 100 of them for y'all. You know, I don't need to be the only voice out here doing this. Uh you know, there are topics that are, uh, you know, are very difficult. They could easily be talking to y'all about them. But anyway, I'm not going to stop. I don't care how butthurt anybody is that I'm doing this. I'm not going to stop educating my people. Like I said, and I'll say it every episode, the only individuals I care about are city letter carriers. That's it. <laughs> That's all. Because I'm I'm there with you. I'm doing these things with you. I'm on the street with you. Okay? I see the pain that you have on these posts. I see that. I'm there with you. All right? I'll always have your back. Always. I will never, ever betray you. I will never run from you. Okay? I've had it done to me. <laughs> I'm a big boy, though. I can handle myself. But you reach out to me. I swear to God. I'll be here for you. I'll always be be by your side, uh, and, and we'll fight together, man. I love it. I love fighting. <laughs> I love it. And I don't care who it is. <laughs> Which side? We fighting, baby. All right? But my agent, my agent, protect us. All right? Be that mother. Put us behind your back, man, and say, let's get it on, baby. Let's get it on. I shook the hand of the devil, and I'm going to fight that bitch myself. Do that for us, man, and I'll respect you, okay? Hey, y'all have a fantastic week. Sorry this one was so long, three hours on. Uh, JB will be here next week, another long one.
He's going to talk about some things. Um, get on to formateArbitration.com. Uh, Jeremy will have all this stuff I just talked about on there, okay? And also that B-team decision I talked about earlier on the thir- on the uh, 3996. Get on from 8Arbitration, the Facebook page. Lindsay's done a fantastic job on that. Uh, she does a lot of interaction stuff, a lot of good stuff on there. Um, so get on that from 8Arbitration, the Facebook page. I really appreciate both of them, man. That's a lot of work. Again, to uh, Branch 11, y'all uh, – are uh, magnificent, magnificent, uh, 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 unbelievable people, man. You are. And I love each and every one of you. I do. Thank y'all so much for how you treated me. To everybody else, again, you humbled me more than you will know uh, coming up to me and uh, shaking my hand and talking to me. Uh, More than you know. I appreciate you. (laughs) And I'm not going to stop doing this, okay? I'm not going to stop. We're going to do one. Uh, and if I run out of shit to talk about, I'll just make up stuff. How's that sound? <laughs> All right. Y'all have a fantastic week. I love each and every one of you, man. You're my people. Uh, we're in the fight together. All right. If we have to do it by ourselves, damn it, we'll do it by ourselves. I've been there before. We will fight together, me and you. All right. I promise you that. Y'all have a great rest of the week, and I will talk to y'all next Sunday with special guest Jason Leith. JB. He's been so long, I don't know if y'all remember what he sounds like, but he'll be back next week, okay? (laughs) Y'all have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.